Hello and welcome to the Shea Hits Everything podcast, where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate that work has blocked GameInformer.com on my computer because that makes it really difficult to pull news stories for this podcast while I'm at lunch. <laughs> and my name is Kyle, and today I hate gossipy women at work. So both work-related. <laughs> right. Yeah, I understand why they would block websites that would be time wasters. And anything related to video games is obviously not related to work. The problem is I typically eat lunch at my desk. And so I want to do my personal things at while I'm at lunch. And it's like our internet. When, I, when I'm connected to our internet, it's a problem. It's just annoying. I guess not the end of the world, but it, it is quite annoying. Because typically, like the day before we record the podcast, while I'm at lunch... That's when I'll be pulling all the news stories and stuff and aggregating it so that I don't have to do it when I get home. But I can't do that anymore. And it's a bummer. It's a, the, uh, the patriarchy something. <laughs> fight. Fight him. <laughs> the man. The pa- Fuck the, the man. The, the, patri- the, the patron. The men. Fight him. It's, it's that, that corporate. Yeah, those corporate dudes. The 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 tech the tech guys and the the no yeah. the, the suits it's the suits it's all the it's the tech su- yeah it's the tech suits you gotta you gotta you gotta fight them <laughs> rise up hashtag <laughs> hashtag rise up I think I'm pretty sure that's the uh, Atlanta Falcons football team their uh, slogan is rise up so probably shouldn't tweet out like fuck the man burn corporate life to the ground hashtag rise up <laughs> i don't think falcons. that's gonna hit your target audience <laughs> right all these, Atlanta, all these atlanta falcons like, twitter profiles like are you okay right <laughs> <sighs> so who's who's gossiping all right gossip about the gossipers so there's a there's a really nice lady that i work with but she's only nice sometimes okay. and like because she's like she's like Stepford nice in that like to your face right. she's very sweet very nice but she just fucking complains all the time and on my lunch break I want to sit there and I want to read my book and she will see me reading my book and then just go oh so this student did that's, this thing that's and I'm like I'm fucking reading that's the fucking worst dude okay I used to have a coworker that would do that as Ooh. well if you are listening if you see someone reading you do not talk to that person unless it is yeah. an emergency. If there's like a piano, they don't want to hear a story. An Acme right. piano that's about to fall <laughs> on their head. You say something. That's it. You leave them <laughs> right. alone. Otherwise. Anyways, today we had a substitute in our room, and this lady, and they were both just going on about this stupid, just bullshitty stuff about their kids' weddings that weren't the way they wanted them to be. So it was Oof. some horrible affront to them and all this. Fucking, it's no. I'm not gonna get into it anymore. It's over with. <laughs> I have. We're recording this on a Thursday. I have one more work day, and then it's the weekend. And I'm gonna focus on that. Yeah, that's a good segue though, because we are recording on a Thursday. Typically, we record on Saturday or Sunday. Post on Monday, but we're recording this a couple days early because I am going out of town this weekend. My wife and I are having our baby moon. Like, our last little trip before the baby comes and we can't do anything for 18 years. Correct. 
So, <laughs> so we're going to Blue Ridge, which is in uh, North Georgia, where we actually went there for a week for our honeymoon. We were like rented a cabin. It's up in the mountains. It's a beautiful, beautiful area. And we just like fucking chilled out. And I think on our honeymoon, we did a couple major things. One, we went to the sp- to a local spa, which we are doing again and getting massages. My wife is going to get a prenatal massage, which seems weird, but hopefully it helps her relax. Um, they're not like getting in there in her stomach or right, her lady parts. Not. It's it's a special type of massage that is not as intense, I think. I don't know, but I think that's what it is. Checks out. Um, we watched a shit ton of Game of Thrones because this was the first time she had ever watched Game of Thrones. And I guess, so this was 2014, so Game of Thrones was in like season three or four-ish. And so while we were there, we were on season three. And Kyle, did you watch through season three? You didn't, did you? I, the red wedding, and then I was done. And That's then what I, it was. And then it was I the watched, red wedding. I watched so a couple of random episodes. The one with uh, where Joffrey, you know, yeah, that's the in thing season happens four. to Joffrey. Yeah, I watched that episode too. So this was the red wedding at the end of season three. So we were right at that point, and that was like the big, obviously huge twist of that season, and really of the show in general. And so I, st- I. Uh, I took a little like recorded video of her reaction watching that because it was very much like a what the fuck is happening kind of a thing. Yeah. And then um, she always liked to sleep in and she still does, obviously. But back then, especially, she would sleep in all the time. And so while she was sleeping in, I played Assassin's Creed Black Flag. <laughs> nice. So those were like the big things we did. And there's like a down – it's downtown Blue Ridge. It's a cute little – shopping outdoor shopping thing a lot of cute like local stores there's a candle store that we really love that we always buy candles from there's a like an olive oil place where you can like taste their olive oils and their um vinaigrettes and uh oh what's the like balsamic vinegar like they have a bunch of different flavors you can taste them and it's like a cool thing so we usually go there like after lunch for a snack so you just get like a bunch of little pieces of bread and you're just like getting free bread and oil as you're walking around and then you buy one because you feel guilty um but yeah it's just a really fun place they have a cute little pet store where we always buy beamer some treats there's a local clothing store where i always buy a different kind of hoodie that's like of blue ridge so anyway it's just like our last big hurrah before the uh the baby comes, and um, really looking forward to it. And we are bringing our dog for the first time. Beamer gets to come with us. So we've been there probably four or five times. A lot of times we go there with Kelly's family. Kind of, a, We run a bigger cabin, and there's like 10 of us that go. And we've never been able to bring our dog before. And so we paid extra to get a pet-friendly place that has like a gate in the back or a fence. Um, and so he's going to like hang out in the cabin in the woods and hopefully not get eaten by a bear. So it's going to be good. Really excited about it. Um, so anyway, that's why we're recording the podcast early. doesn't really have an effect. It'll still be posted on Monday, but I'll be out of town on Monday. So hopefully it all goes okay, because internet's not great in the mountains of Blue Ridge. Um, yeah, should be fun. Also wanted to tell a quick story. So I'm not a technology person. I don't get technology, which should be apparent to listeners of the podcast. But I also don't particularly care about technology stuff. Like, I love playing video games, but I like the video games. I don't care about the the behind-the-scenes stuff that makes me able to play video games. I don't care about getting a beefy PC, and I especially don't care about fucking phones. I held on to my, like, Razer Katana flip phone for a really long-ass time 
because I didn't want a smartphone. I didn't give a shit about all the extra features. It seemed annoying and they were insanely expensive and I didn't want one. Obviously, every, you have to have a smartphone now. If you don't and you're under the age of 70, you're an idiot. But my iPhone 6 has kind of stopped working, basically. It's went, gone through that process with Apple products where after a couple of years, they just flip the switch and make your product shitty, so you have to go buy a new one. But I'm in the ecosystem. It's not like I'm going to switch to Android. I'm not a homeless person, so I'm going to stick with my iPhone. And so I needed to like change my Sprint plan because I had a quote-unquote free upgrade, but it's not a fucking free upgrade because I still pay for it every month. Like, that means nothing. It's not a fucking free upgrade. I'm just buying a new phone. Anyway, Sprint rant notwithstanding. I got the iPhone XR or XR, the brand new iPhone X that has the colors, the colored thing on the back. And that's the new hotness. I only got it because it was new. I got it cheaper than a regular iPhone X or an iPhone 8. It was cheaper than an iPhone 8, too, because I, like, pre-ordered it, so I got a little bonus discount. So I got a blue one. I'm going to hold it up for... Oops. It's plugged in. Nope, that's my old phone. That's why. I mit, Well, so I still have my my old phone. I have to trade it in to get like an extra discount. And boy, I miss it. Because it's nice and small. And I don't want a huge fucking honking phone. But I have to now. So I got... It's blue. And it's 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 cool. That's, that's huge. It is. It is very large. That sucks. It's... I mean... It's a good percentage bigger than my old one. Yeah, I have the SE, which is the profile of like the iPhone five. It's yeah, it's so even smaller small. than my I iPhone six. I love 6. this thing. Yeah, it fits so, in any pocket known to man. It's fine. This is a this is this is my reality. I have to accept it. Like I'm not gonna go buy a new like I'm an iPhone seven, which is even still a little bit bigger than the six, just because that's gonna be shitty in a year. I have to get the new thing. I'm not happy about it, but it is what it is. But I ordered it through Sprint. And they shipped it to my house. Apparently, something got fucked up where they shipped it not to my current apartment complex, where I have lived for almost two years. Not to the apartment complex before this one, where I lived for a year and a half. But instead to the apartment complex before that one, where I lived for two years. So this is like my house or apartment from like five fucking years ago. It's not the address they have for me on file. I've updated it, but they shipped it there. So I had to drive fucking up to, to get it. Well, first I called the apartment complex and I was like, hey, I am getting a package shipped there. I don't know why, but they already shipped it to you guys and it's supposed to be delivered tomorrow. So I can't like change it midstream. It's going to get there. Can you please let me know? Like, do they deliver it at the door? What's going to happen? She's like, yeah, they'll deliver it at the door. I'll call the resident, let them know that it's coming. That way they can bring it here to the office and I'll call you. I'm like, hey, I'm going to tell you this. It's a new iPhone 10. It's like a $600 phone. Don't tell the resident this because I don't want to have to deal with them trying to pretend like, oh, we, we never got it. it or yeah. something. Yeah. So... She never calls me back after, like, the next day. And I'm like, hey, it's showing that it was delivered. So I called her on, like, Saturday morning. I was like, hey, it says this thing was delivered yesterday. Do you know anything that's going on? No, I haven't heard back from the resident. I'm like, okay, is it cool if I – because I'm going to be driving up there anyway. Is it cool if I drive up there and, like, go to that person's place and see if it's on the front door or knock on their door and talk to them? She's like, yeah, that's fine because we, as the apartment complex, like, we're not allowed to, like, go inside their apartment or anything. Right. So we can't do anything for you. So I went to the place. Not on the front door. I hear talking 
inside the apartment. I knock on the door, no answer. I continue knocking on the door, no answer. Four times, like I'm banging on the door. I know there is there are people inside, no answer. I'm like, okay, this is f- bad fucking news. Like the package isn't on the door, so they clearly they got it. They took it inside, and now they are the the apartment complex person just called them and they did not answer. So they know something's going on that they might want this package. They got the voicemail that this package was there. They're gonna try to fucking steal my phone. I'm gonna have to call the cops. I don't know if the cops are even gonna be able to help me with this. So I go back up to the apartment complex and I tell her the situation. I'm like, hey. I don't want to be like overly aggressive here, but I don't know what else to do other than call the police and see what my options are because I know it was delivered. I know that they have it because it is not on the door. She's like, okay, let me call them one more time. (laughs) So she calls him again. Someone picks up. She kind of tells him the whole thing. She's like, oh yeah, yeah. And he can come get it right now. Okay, great. Thank you. So she hangs up and she's like, hey, it's a really old lady. <laughs> so she just couldn't hear me knocking. Right. And so I go there and I'm still, I bang on the door even more. And she, since she knows I'm coming, she's listening for the door. She comes out and this woman's easily in her eighties. As soon as she opens the door, I get fucking punched in the face with cigarette smoke. Oh. Like I thought I was going to pass out. It is the most intense, terrible cigarette smoke I've ever smelled in my life. So this lady's in there just sucking down six packs a day. Maybe she was Wheel only actually like 30. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> my assumption was like. she is she is so old, she's smoking as much as possible to find a, to fucking end it already. Maybe. Like she wants the cancer. So, uh I feel bad. She she was actually very nice. She was sweet about it. She was like, hey, I'm sorry. I opened the, the box. My daughter called me yesterday and said that she was shipping me a present. And so I saw this box, thought it was for me. Obviously didn't check the name. I opened it, saw that it was a phone, and was like, why would my daughter send me a phone? And then I saw that it was a different name. So that's why the box is open. I didn't mess with it, blah, blah, blah. So she was very sweet. But boy, it fucking reeked. But I got my phone. I was able to install all my stuff, and I'm all good. Does your phone but it smell? was uh, <laughs> The box reeked. When I brought the box home and like left it on the table, and Kelly came home from work, and she was like, why does it smell like cigarettes in here? Oh. And this was hours later. It still smelled like my whole apartment smelled like cigarettes because of that fucking box. Just, it's gone now. When that lady but, moves boy. out or when she dies, yeah. like the apartment complex is going to have a hell of a time. She's not getting her deposit pack. No. We'll say that much. They're going to have to replace the carpets, the everything. Yeah. It's going to be, yeah. Wow. I would not want to. Yeah. It's going to be bad. But uh, hey, I got my phone. Maybe don't fucking smoke, you stupid idiot. That's, I'm going to take an I mean, aggressive stance on it. Obviously, for her, it's a bit different. I'm sure she's been smoking like her whole entire life. But that's a whole point. And I think that smoking is starting to go away. It is. Because people are really recognizing the health concerns. It's not cool anymore. No. Like, the only people that smoke have been smoking. And it's just either too hard for them to quit or they're just unwilling to try to, to quit. I don't see many young people smoking anymore. Right. It's all about weed, obviously, but that's not going to kill you in the same way that cigarettes will. Right. And I don't, so, yeah, I don't that think was it my... ruins homes in quite the same way either. Well, it, it fucking smells, dude. We have people in our complex that smoke regularly, and uh, it seeps all the way down here, uh, too. Like, I'll come home and just be... And it smells like sour. Weed smells sour. Uh, it's gross. It's not as bad as cigarette smoke, but it's still not good. Just don't do not do any of it. I don't... Just don't. I don't know. I don't have a problem with people smoking weed. But well, if it's still do it, bad for your lungs. Sure. But it, my thing is, like, if you're going to do it, be considerate of the people that live around you. If it's in a home, it's different because you're by yourself. But in an apartment complex like this, 
like turn on the fans, maybe crack a window, something so that it's not seeping through everyone else's apartment. Yeah. I, but anyway. Ugh. So that was my little adventure getting my phone. On the way home, I was going to go to GameStop, which I have not been I've not been to a GameStop in quite a long time because why would you want to go to a GameStop anymore? Because I was going to trade in finally my old PS4. Since I have the Pro, I've had it for a while. I was originally going to try to sell my PS4 on Facebook or somewhere else and everybody was like, "Don't bother. You're not going to get anything for it. You don't want to, have to deal with creepy people." So I was like, "Fine." There there even though I've pre-ordered a shit ton of games through Amazon so I could you know, get that last chance discount uh, until they close that off. I know there will be more games I want. Maybe I'll buy a new controller or something. So I'll go in and trade a bunch of games and my PS4 and I'll get whatever. Plus they were having a special where I, I got an extra 25 bucks for it. So I got 175 bucks for my PS4. I'll take that. Whatever. It's found money, basically. So I went and did that and I was going to buy Red Dead Redemption 2 since I was already there and I didn't, I had pre-ordered that through Amazon um, and I, since I was already going to have that money, that store credit, I'd rather buy it there than download it digitally on PlayStation and, and waste the 60 bucks. They were sold out. This was Saturday, the day after the game came out, and they were sold out. So on my way home, I call another GameStop that's at the mall closer to where I live. They were sold out. Like, I know it's a popular game, and the game has already broken a bunch of sales records and is making millions and millions of dollars. But how do you not have enough copies of the biggest game release of the year? I don't understand that. And I know, like, a lot of little mom and pop shops didn't even get Red right, Dead. Right? Yeah, there were a lot of supply So I wonder issues. if they had. I wonder if they had. Yeah, exactly. Must have like, been production problems. Yeah, it just seems weird to me. And I haven't checked back. Maybe they've gotten a new shipment in already. But I so I still haven't bought Red Dead. Um, but I know you've played it, so we'll talk a lot about it. But like. I was annoyed because I wanted to start it this last weekend, but I think the timing will be okay. I, I'll get back from our Blue Ridge trip, and then I can kick it up that next weekend and have a good time with it. But Yeah. It is it is one of the only PS4 games to have two discs. So may, yes. maybe there was something weird with that, with whoever they had producing their physical stuff. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But I know, and I I wish I would have known this, but you enlightened me, that I can use that GameStop credit to buy a gift card. Yep. So I could just put all that money on a PlayStation Network gift card, which might be what I do, and then I'll just download it digitally and not have to worry about the disc. and Because inst- the install sp- size is the same, so um, I might just do that, and that way I won't have to go back and do a GameStop after I do that stuff. Yeah, when I traded in some of my games and stuff, I paid off Pokemon Let's Go. Um, yeah. And so I'm going to have to go into a fucking GameStop to go get that thing. Right. Yeah, I did not pre-order Pokemon Let's Go. I'm still kind of, like, not thinking I'm going to get it. I just have to see what it is. I know. It's a little bit of obligation. And if I'm going to buy it, I might as well use that store credit in some capacity. So maybe I'll I'll do that, too. I just I have, like, eight games pre-ordered still. I mean, Fallout, Spyro... Uh, a bunch of games next year too. Metro, Rage Two. Like I, I pre-ordered any Last of Us. I pre-ordered anything I could via Amazon, right. so that I could get them for whatever forty nine bucks instead of sixty three or whatever. Yeah, I'm just getting a lot of stuff on PC, um, so there's no right. point in me reserving it. Um, but I do have Spyro, Kingdom Hearts Three, Resident Evil Two, and Fallout seventy six pre-ordered on Amazon currently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, 
that was my little uh, weekend adventure. So I got my new phone at least. Did not get Red Dead Redemption 2, but um, I'll be able to dive into that. I, I feel like I'm, I've already missed the zeitgeist. Like, that is the only thing everybody is talking about right now, and I feel very left out. Um, but, good transition. Do you want to talk about Red Dead? Maybe I do. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> all right. Tell me about the, the that video game. So, here's... All right. I have some thoughts. So, I think... I hope so, because Red, that's the whole point of this podcast. I think Red Dead Redemption 2 is a terrible video game. Oh, boy. But it is one of the best immersive sims ever created. As a video, what a twist. As a video game, I think it fails royally. Um, How? It's a lot of systems that are not well explained. The controls are a fucking nightmare and a half. That's uh, that's the biggest thing for me is is the controls. It just it mm. it it plays like a Rockstar game, which is a bad thing, right? Um, it's kind of floaty. Yeah, but like, yeah. So it's floaty. You rely on the targeting system, like the auto target. Uh, auto target. Okay. There's no way to play the game if you're not auto targeting on at least with a controller. Maybe with mouse and keyboard you could get away with it, but PC's not out yet. Um, <laughs> right. So, like, you heavily, heavily, heavily rely on um, the auto-targeting. And, like, there are just... There are different buttons for, like, picking up a hat off the ground, picking up stuff off a shelf, like, looting a body, picking up a gun off the ground. There are different buttons for all of these things. So, it's like, anytime you want to do anything, you kind of have to, like, go to the thing and wait for the button prompts to appear to tell you mm-hmm. what you actually need to press to get it. There's no intuitiveness to it at all. Um, huh. I, and I will say that the one thing that I do really like is how you, like anyone that's within the within your vicinity, you just hold, for me it's L1 because I swap my triggers um, between R2 to R1 and L2 to L1. So I hold L1 and I target a person in my vicinity and I can press square to antagonize which is like start a fight with them or circle right. to like greet them or to like diffuse a situation or whatever. Well, yeah, I think circles also diffuse. For a second there, I thought square was diffuse, but I think it is. Circle is always the positive option. Square is always the negative option. So like circle, okay. like just greet, hello, and then like Arthur will say hi to like a random NPC and they'll shoot something back at you. And then if it's like someone around the camp because you're part, you're Arthur, you're part of the Vanderlyn gang. Um, mm-hmm. if you're like around camp and you say something to someone, they'll like reference something that either you've done lately, like how you're looking, um, like something that they've gone and done recently or a mission that you completed. And as the events in the world change, there are just like tons and tons and tons of dialogue options there, which is where it plays into the immersive sim element, I think really well. But all right, so, so here are all of the control options. I'm going to rattle off as many as I can think of in my brain <laughs> for a horse, horse riding. So it's uh-huh. triangle to get on the horse. If you're off the horse, you can target your horse like an NPC, and you can pat it with square. You can brush it with left on the D-pad. You can do something else with right on the D-pad. You can study it with R2, and it brings up stats on the horse. You can do... You can... Uh, if you No, if you hit circle, it's like make it flee. Like if it's in a mm-hmm. dangerous situation, you can smack it on the ass and it'll run away. Um right. And if it's if you hit triangle, you can then grab the reins and lead it as you're walking. Um, I don't know if you can hitch a horse 
while walking. I have not tried that yet. But when you when you hit triangle without targeting it, and you're on your horse, then um, you so you hit. It's like Grand Theft Auto Control. So you hit X like repeatedly to make the horse go faster at different speeds. Yeah. And I think it's set. All right. So if you push forward on the left stick, the horse like moves at like a decent, somewhat slow speed, and then you hit X to kind of determine the new maximum speed that you're doing with the forward left stick um but then so mm-hmm. then you would think that oh i pull back on the left stick and it'll slow down no that just like makes your horse try to turn around and if it's going too fast it'll like fall over its own feet and throw you off <laughs> okay. I've, I've done that before <laughs> to slow down the horse you have to hold r1 <clears throat> or maybe it's r2 it's what one of those it's r2 because r1 is to like draw your gun and shoot which i've done on accident so many times trying to slow okay. my horse down um, if you level up your, like, bond with your horse, you can do, like, a, a running stop where if you pull back on the left stick and, like, hit square or some button, I don't fucking know what it is, it'll, like, skid. It'll do, like, a skid sure? stop if you're, yeah. if you're, you need to stop immediately. Um, and then if you're, if you're on a mission with people, um, if you're pushing forward with the left stick and you hold X, Arthur will keep pace with the people that you're traveling with. And then if you're traveling in a line of people, if you double tap X, Arthur will go up a placement in the line. Um, okay. Like, what the fuck is this? So, so like, our icons constantly popping up to tell you how to do all this stuff? Like, the very, like, bare bones, like... So most of it you just have to guess. Most of it you just have to, to remember. Because it, 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 tell, it like tells you how to do everything. Like, there will be the hidden yeah. tool tips that pop up in the top left that tell you how to do everything. Um, it'll have you do it, like, once, but then that's it. And then, so there are all these different things that you can do. Like, I forgot if you push up on the D-pad while you have your gun drawn. So I'm holding L1. My gun's drawn. I'm aiming it. I hit up on the D-pad. Arthur will aim the gun in the sky, and I can then hit R1 to fire the gun in the air to, like, scare someone or, like, threaten right. them. Without shooting around them, I just shooting in the air. Like it's just like all the little shit like that. It's yeah. It's con- and it's a game that really punishes your mistakes, which I like. Um, I actually kind of really appreciate it. And it, there are a lot of funny situations that arise from me pushing the wrong buttons, but it's also like unending frustrating situations. And like yeah. the game aggressively auto saves all the time, and it only has one auto save slot. So you could get really screwed over on that. You have like a ton of manual save oh. slots, so but you have to think about manual saving a lot, which sure. I'm doing. It comes down to like there should be way more than just one auto save slot, but whatever. Um, yeah, and like I don't know, like if you're on a boat, there are whole different controls for a boat, and ugh, ugh, and that like if you're in town, like what you do really matters. Like it makes you really think before pushing any buttons at all ever in any situation like <laughs> mm-hmm. i've got like draw my gun and shoot i've got that down pretty well um and like i i can if i tap a button he puts the gun away but if it's a rifle and he's carrying it i think the only way to get see i don't even mm. so your weapons are kept on your horse and so if you want to like change out your weapons you go to your horse to your saddlebags you hold right on the d-pad and access your your saddlebags or no maybe it's i don't know it's some button 
right on the D-pad normally opens your satchel. So maybe when you're by your horse, it opens the horse bags. Whatever. Anyways, um, and you can like change out what guns you have and your different holsters and stuff. But then I ran into a situation where I had my rifle out. And, like, I was holding it with both hands, like, in an aggressive stance, but then I tapped it to, like, put it away, and he just held it in one hand. And I couldn't get him to put it back in the fucking holster on his back. <laughs> I didn't know how to do it. It was... <laughs> and, like, I had to get on my horse, start galloping, and then eventually he put it in his thing. Like, as, like, a, yeah. a default animation change yeah. kind of deal. But that was the only way I could figure out how to do it. So it's like you're doing these stupid, weird actions to, like, get things just the way you want them. Because, like, I didn't want to walk around town with my rifle out. Even though it wasn't yeah. in an aggressive stance, I didn't know if that would affect things or if people would deal with me differently. And it's just – it's really cool, but it's also – it's fascinating, but it's frustrating. So that's kind of because you, you you brought up the point of like hey it punishes your mistakes yeah which is a very it's a very cool thing but for me it breaks down a bit when those mistakes are caused by the player not understanding the systems right it's not like you missed a shot or you said the wrong thing or you forgot to mention this it's that you press the wrong button like that those aren't the kind of mistakes that you want to be punished because that's frustrating. Right. This isn't a platformer. It's not a fighting game like where the, you know, their combos matter and you the the timing of everything is really intricate. Like this is a, it's a role-playing game essentially. Right. And that seems like that that kind of breaks down a lot to me. I am very fascinated to try this now and see if I am immediately overwhelmed as it sounds like you are with there's a million, in, like an infinite amount of actions you can take yeah. in different circumstances, and different buttons do different things in each circumstance. Right. That just seems like a nightmare to me. It's crazy. <clears throat> it's crazy, is what it is. Um, and like, it frankly, you seems can play like... the game with like minimal HUD, and I wouldn't. I, I initially was like, <laughs> yeah, I totally want to do that, like immersive sim all the way. Like, how the fuck yeah. are you supposed to do that? There's no way. Yeah. You have to play Maybe the like game for like thirty hours before. Yeah. Right. Jeez, but all of that being said, holy shit, the writing, holy shit, it is <laughs> so good. Arthur is such a fascinating character. I always thought John Marston was pretty flat and boring. Arthur is yeah. like com- the complete opposite of that. Like he has a lot of different dimensions, and he has he's very he feels everybody in that game feels like a real person. Um, like just the way they mm-hmm. react to you, the way you react to them. Um, and like the way Arthur reacts to like, there's like a kid in camp and the way Arthur kind of treats that kid, um, in like a very like fatherly maternal, like, yeah, son, let's go fishing. Like it, it, where, and then, right. you know, half an hour later, I'm like passing a dude on the road and I shoot him in the head for his horse. Um, mm-hmm. like shit like that. Um, is there, is there a lot of choice when it comes to like the dialogue stuff like or or not even the choice but do the, are those choices actually having impact on the relationships of characters yeah i think a lot of the dialogue choices wind up being like arthur speaks for himself a lot um in okay. most of the dialogues but uh when you do have choice it's either like okay which question am i going to ask or it's just like a binary good bad kind of thing yeah like i'm gonna okay. be I'm going to play it cool or I'm going to be a dick. Like, it's very mm-hmm. binary. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's a gorgeous game, written very well. 
Like, just the amount of detail is astounding. Like, you can go into every single building. Um, every single building is fully kitted out with items and decor. And it's just, the scope of it is crazy um, right. to me. And, like, just the number of little events that are happening. Like, I feel like I get a good chunk of, like, me time in between stuff happening. Like, it, mm-hmm. it feels paced really well like i don't sure i don't feel like there's like oh a dude just got kicked in the head and killed by his horse and then two minutes later i'm riding on the road and then there's another like the o'driscoll's are coming to shoot me and i gotta fend them off and then uh, 30 seconds later this other thing happens it's like it's spread out enough um that i i, I appreciate it because it gives you it gives you the space to experiment and it gives you the space to engage with all of the systems um and not kind of throw them in your face all of the time. But um, there is, whew, pretty early on in the first area, there's a mission. Uh, and you go, it involves a character named Lenny, um, okay. who is an African-American fella who is in the, in the Vandalin gang. Is this a gang. spoiler? I'm not going to go any further into detail than that. I'm just going to say that, holy shit, that mission... That is one of my favorite things I have done in a video game in a very long time. <laughs> okay, cool. It is so and this good. is early on? Yeah, this is pretty early on. It's in the first town. Um, okay. And it, it also, because it, um, it kind of highlights the main missions on your, on your mini-map in like a, a bright gold circle. And then all the mm-hmm. kind of side stuff appear in like white circles or, or different stuff like that. So... Um, the thing I'm struggling with a little bit is the quest tracking. There's like a there's like an activity log and there's like a challenge tracker, but it doesn't always give me all the information that I wish it would. Like, uh, and and maybe that is maybe that's something because Arthur has a journal that he writes in, and I haven't really looked at the journal at all, so maybe he's detailing okay. stuff in there, and I just don't know about it. Um, but like that's just goes like there's just so much in the game to remember and to think about. Um, right. If you come across a little ambient quest, it's not giving you the you know Skyrim map marker for where the endpoint is every single step of the way. And so if you come across that and then move on to something else, it's not going to tell you about that original thing, and you might not remember it. Is that kind of what you're saying? Well, it, it will mark it on the map. Um, it, it does mark it on. I, I'm more talking about like remembering all of the details because like it'll mark it on okay. the map where you need to go or like the person you need to talk to but you're not i'm not always sure like what the mission what the is supposed is. to be right. I, mean, I just know i have to go there and yeah because I, I mean the, that's the kind of any are, open world game yeah but like skyrim like you have your side quest and like you know it tells you like this is the name of the quest this is what's going on this is the last few steps that you've taken um i can't really find anything like that uh, in the menus and maybe I'm just not looking hard enough or I haven't clicked onto the right thing yet. Um, cause the menu is kind of confusing. Um, it's split up into like player story. And then within those brings up another screen and has a bunch of different subcategories. Um, and within this activity log is just something that you pull up kind of as like a sidebar while you're playing. And that has a few tabs mm-hmm. of different stuff. Um, yeah, and there's like there are a few systems that are really confusing, like the way that you turn in pelts and carcasses of animals can be confusing sometimes. And this one, I went on this one mission, and on my way back, I killed an animal, and I had heard that 
like over time the carcasses spoil and it's not that much time and like if you leave them on the ground they'll disappear and so i didn't want that to happen so i when i got back from the mission i guess the mission wasn't really over because it kind of triggered this event in the camp and it this event was going on and i couldn't turn in the carcass to the food place and i didn't know what to do so i like kept trying to do that and i was missing all the stuff that was going on because it was just happening in real time around me and like they were having this big party thing and i kept turning this carcass i'm like where the fuck is the cook (laughs) like i don't need to i I just need to put the thing in the thing like why do you have to be here for that um and then and then i wound up i i feel like i missed a really big opportunity for like character building and relationship building with right. the different members of my camp because I was trying to turn in this carcass and I couldn't get it to work and I didn't know why because <laughs> I've seen screenshots yeah. of that thing happening and like everyone's like oh this was one of my favorite blah blah blahs I'm like I was trying to turn in a carcass the whole time <laughs> uh, and I missed it but um, I don't know there's a lot of just really really crazy crazy stuff in terms of detail in that game it, it surprises me constantly um in good ways and bad ways but um i'm really really enjoying it i just i wish i don't know like i don't know that there's a better way to do all these controls and have all these options available to you i just either i wish there was a better way or i wish i was better at remembering all the the buttons or that there just weren't at so many things like does is it really necessary to have a separate button to shoot in the air? Like why why not just aim away from the guy and have right. it do the same thing? Well, you know, I think like, it accomplishes they, they could have the stripped down. Yeah, so then why is that necessary? Right. Like that just kind of muddies the waters of what you do, what the different buttons do in different situations. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm afraid I'm gonna get frustrated with that stuff. But it sounds like the writing and kind of the world and everything is certainly more than enough. To oh put yeah. Up with maybe some some finicky controls. Yeah, for sure. And there are, it was overwhelming at first the number of characters, but <clears throat> as you play, I'm thankful for that because there is such a variety of people and like activities that they like to do and think and how they handle situations that it keeps it mm-hmm. fresh. Okay. Um, yeah. And I mean, like, not like I'm super far in. I'm probably like ten hours in so far, um, if that. But uh, I've reached, like, the second settlement area. Um, I'm really, really, really enjoying it. I'm excited to spend more time there. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to to start it. And I'm sure we will have plenty of Red Dead 2 conversations in the next several episodes. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's a long game. There's a lot to it. We're definitely going to be talking about it for a while. So Yeah. And I Um, I found this, like, totally ambient thing. Like, I was just mm -hmm. riding around and I... I'm not going to say anything about what I saw, but I saw this thing and it was very disturbing and I walked over to it. I was like, what the hell is this? Like I was riding and there was this thing in the road. I was like, what? And I got off my horse and I looked and there was this like, there was a, a, a crazy thing and there was like a music sting that happened along with it. And then like there was some, there was another little piece there of text and I read that and was like, what the fuck is happening and like there was a music sting and there was this thing and that was it it didn't update anything in a quest log <laughs> like nothing else and i'm just like waiting for the next like for the shoe to drop right, on the this next, thing okay um huh. it's wild so like i i like 
constantly surprised by the things that the game throws at me and how it plays with right. its own rules um, a okay. lot, too, um, in really fun ways. So Sweet. Seems like it's good. It is. <laughs> some, some might say 10 out of 10. I don't know if I would say that, right. but some people certainly have. Yeah. Um, well, what do you say we talk about some Fallout 76? Yeah, we played that today, mere hours yeah. ago, the beta on so PS4. So, before we talk about the actual beta itself, I do have to take Bethesda to task on how this beta was implemented, because it was poor. Just, like, the communication around, like, that it's not a beta. It is specific times that you can have access to it, and you have to log in only at that time, and so, like... You can't just download it for the several days that it's live and play it when you want. It has to be at specific times. And that's kind of shitty. Because not that this was like specifically a pre-order bonus per se, but like it's only for people that pre-order. And so you kind of go in like, hey, I will pre-order so that I can play the beta. And I can imagine plenty of circumstances where people will be unable to play the beta because they can't play the game while those times are open and that communication did not exist period right. until the thing was out there yeah, and they, then they should have all said these it new was a stories. series of server tests yeah like that was is. it's just it's just it's shitty really shitty communication especially for a game that a lot of people already have concerns about it certainly is not a good look and if just concerns about bethesda and their game releases in general obviously there are tons of stories about the different bugs and there's a whole thing about it some for some people it's like a bug has deleted that beta and like Yes, all of that definitely sucks. Bethesda needs to do a better job of this. This is how they have been for the longest time. Yeah. You can argue that, hey, people shouldn't give them a pass for it. But my point is more like, you know what you're getting. Like, they have never done anything to make you think the game wouldn't be janky as hell when it releases. Right. So if you are buying into this, you're buying into it knowing that's going to happen. It doesn't make it okay, but like, you know what you're, you should know what you're getting at this point. The other part that's really frustrating is just like, uh, I don't know. Because it, it's not really a, I mean, I guess it's a beta, but the game comes out in a couple of weeks. And so it's more like a server test. And so they, like, no feedback that they get about the game itself will they implement. This is like, this doesn't, I'm trying to figure out well, how, how, okay, how that's not this. true because it is a live game. So they can up, they update and make changes as they that's go. That's true. That's true, but I, I guess for and, and again, this goes back to people knowing what they're buying and they know that it's going to be updated as time goes. But like this, what we are playing right now will not be significantly different when we pay sixty dollars for it, and that's right. more what I'm getting at. Which there's still value to the player if somebody checks this out, which a lot of people have, and said like, "Hey, I'm not clicking with X, Y, or Z. I'm not going to buy it now." There's still value to the player for that, but it's still just like, I don't know. I find it even hard to believe that they can really work on the stability of the system with such little time. Like the it, game comes out in just over two weeks. Like I don't, I have a hard time believing that they can really adjust a lot of things. And I don't know. It just feels like maybe they should have done this earlier. And I don't know if this game's coming in hot or what's going on. I feel like if it's coming in hot, that's an extra bad thing because Bethesda games are already not great at launch. Um, yeah, so, I don't know. It's just it's just frustrating. I, I think like the release date, I I just so many of the games I've played in the last couple of years are early access games that are live updated, 
and yeah. I I think this is just another one of those. They should have they should be marketing it as such. Yeah, um, and you also don't usually pay sixty dollars for an early access game. True, that's part of it. Too. That's true. And you also aren't getting a an early access game that had dozens of millions of dollars spent on developing it from one of the most popular developers and publishers in the AAA video game space. So I feel like the whole like early access mentality isn't fair to apply to this game because early access to me is an indie game that is early on in development where the players help drive the scope and the development of the game. And those early access players get a discounted price because they're helping the development. None of that is happening with this game. You're paying full price from it. It's from a AAA studio that had millions and millions of dollars to make the game. And yes, will they adapt and change the game based on player feedback? 100%. But any games as a service game will do that. Like that isn't tied to early access. So I don't know. I, I'm. I, those are. I fair would not criticisms. give them a pass like that as like an early access sort of thing. Those are fair criticisms. I'm not, and and I'm not trying to be like negative about it. Uh, playing through it today, and it, you know I only play for like maybe an hour and a half, mostly with you, just kind of exploring. We did like a first little quest. We looked at the camp system. Yeah. I did obviously my my create a character, all that stuff, and all of that was fun. And playing with you and maybe other people, if I make more friends, will be fun. But at its core, I still have the same concern. I guess I should say nothing about this overwhelmed my concern about the longevity of this game. It still feels like Fallout 4 with less content. It's like a bigger Fallout 4 with less content than Fallout 4. And that's kind of worrying for me. We'll see how they're able to update it and like if they can add quests or new enemy types or places to visit. Some of the like some of that seems difficult like how you would integrate that like a new place to visit unless they expand the map, but I don't know, I'm not a game developer. It's just, I don't know. Th- those are some of my broad concerns that I had going into the beta that my fairly pointed out short time with the beta did not do anything to assuage those fears. Yeah, so finally having gotten my hands on it, because um, I, I spent a couple of hours, I think it was like two hours, two and a half hours playing by myself, and then about an hour, yeah. hour and a half playing with you. Um, in those two and a half hours, I, it it felt very much like some of my favorite parts of Fallout 4, where you're just like, I'm going to pick this direction and just go explore and see what there is. Yes. And you're just getting a bunch of loot, and you're adding stuff to your, like, I don't know, to your bag and to your repertoire, like new weapons and, and upgrades and stuff, and... Um, you're earning like more caps, more loot, you're leveling stuff up, you're getting new skills and all of that stuff is rewarding in its own. But then you're also coming across these cool areas that have their own like little environmental storytelling opportunities. Um, Mm -hmm. and I've been enjoying all of that. Now Mm -hmm. the part where it really works in fallout four is cause you can do that as a break from like the main quest and like other more like story heavy sections or like building um whereas this just has that in building right um but i will say that then when you and i got together it felt very different when you and i were playing together um okay. and like the little interactions that i had with people while i was playing by myself 
like yeah. a couple of people like uh, like asked me to team up with them and stuff and i like i turned them down but we just kind of ran alongside each other for a little bit um mm-hmm. just like hopping around doing emotes and then like crouching in front of each other and like <laughs> our, like internet shoving stuff. our <laughs> online, in each online other's video faces, <laughs> all yeah. sitting on the same couch together that kind of stuff um like all of that was a lot of fun and like those mm-hmm. little moments just brought like a little bit of extra spark to my exploration uh, and then I, when i was playing with you it just it felt very different because we're both processing information differently we're able to spread out and like search stuff faster um and like two of us taking on the enemies at once is a lot more effective um mm-hmm. and it just it felt like two very different experiences um, Interesting. um for me uh i don't know it's i can see myself spending a lot of time with it and like leveling up and i do really like the perk system um the perk cards those are really really cool because they all have their own like little unique spin on it uh on their uh um on their effects and all that uh and like you're getting like perk card packs as in you're opening them and they have like rare perk cards um so i know i'll be like some of them are level locked i think so i like want to get to a certain level before i can use them sure um and like i was finding like, I'm level 4, so I still can't engage in any of the PvP, which I don't really want to anyways. But I'm still level 4, and I found, like, several weapons, like a sniper rifle and a pump shotgun that are level 5 locked. And, like, right. leather boiled armor, which is a slightly better quality right. leather armor that's level locked at 5. So, like, once I get to level 5, I have new gear that I can put on. Um, which is, like, a... I don't know. It's a fun... It's a very video gamey, like, MMO type of thing to do um sure. and i've always liked that like the the idea of when you level up you get all this access to all this new stuff like that's fun and that just happens through playing the game and like you're also finding new areas and learning the terrain and like all the new enemy types are really cool and those enemy types come along with new items for like crafting that have new effects and new recipes and all this stuff um and i like collecting all the cosmetic uh, items like you put on that ranger outfit yeah. and you look like a total like <laughs> forest ranger dinkus and then, right um, yeah i had nice some nice like thick rimmed glasses too that yeah. i put on in my like little that, ranger like, hat bill ranger hat <laughs> and like the short shorts yeah. the short ranger yeah. shorts and then um, <laughs> it was a good look yeah and then the first cosmetic item i found was a beer can hat which was awesome yeah. and then i found bottle cap sunglasses so i'm running around the wasteland with a fucking beer can hat and bottle cap sunglasses uh looking like an idiot um and i do like that the armor uh goes on underneath your clothes so yes. like because i put on like a leather chest piece and you can't see it it's underneath my um cut like aesthetic costume or whatever right. you want to call it so that that stuff's cool because it just lets people show a little more customization on their characters right and still have all the armor like because in fallout 4 yeah. it was like well i have to just look like this mishmash of metal parts yes. because it's the best damage resistance even though i have this sweet like petticoat or lab right. coat or whatever it might be or that's what mods are for yeah um <laughs> and so like this is nice that it's just kind of built that way um yeah, and like okay, so, hunger and thirst, though, they I I didn't notice them draining at like a really precipitous rate. I felt mm-hmm. like I, I still feel like I have too much stuff. Yes, like it still feels like maybe there's a balance to be struck there. Um, 
But I, I do have a couple perk cards that are like, hey, this thing, like, my thirst goes down 25% slower because the perk card that I have on. So, like, that's part of it, too. Okay. Um, but I definitely feel like I have more stuff than I need um, in terms of, like, food for hunger and thirst. Well, and a lot of it, too, is, like, that it's that early game yeah. thing where you don't know the systems yet, and so you're just collecting fucking everything because you right. don't know what's going to be valuable yet. So I feel like as we play, we'll pretty much – we'll learn pretty quickly that, like, oh, I don't need to pick up the scrap steel from every enemy because I get a shit ton of that. I want to make sure I get the duct tape and the copper and the similar thing that happened in Fallout 4 and really all of those Bethesda games. Like, you learn the shit that you need to pick up and the shit that you can ignore pretty quickly. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, it's it's a very similar game to Fallout Four. I think that that is mostly like I'm mostly like cool with that because I personally loved Fallout Four. Yeah, and I know you did too. Um, and like it being set in a new a new place is different enough. There are a lot of similar systems though that feel a little bit like okay, like I'm still doing this. A lot of the UI is still the same, and it's just. Yeah. I like the, I like the new favorite. I like the it. new favorites wheel better than the D pad stuff. I don't. It it takes longer to pull it up and get to what you want on the wheel than like I can memorize that. Oh, my sniper rifle is three up clicks, and then I just pull it out automatically. And with this, I gotta I gotta hold up, and then I gotta scroll around and use the R three to pick the one I want. So to me, it's a little less intuitive. Okay, but it's kind of it's pretty subjective. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's I'm bummed that we won't get to play more. We actually considered, hey, do we want to delay the podcast so we can continue playing tonight? <laughs> but I didn't want the podcast to go up late, so here we are. But, um, yeah, I'm bummed I'm not going to be able to play more of it. I honestly, I don't even know how long the beta runs, what day is going to be up. Right. I-, I have no idea. So my assumption is that it'll be done by the time I get back from Blue Ridge, which sucks. But I'm already buying the game. It's not like I really need to play the beta to convince me one way or the other. I'm going to get it no matter what. It's more just like... It's a fun thing to play and certainly want to educate people that are on the fence on the podcast. So sounds obvious to say, but if you like Fallout 4, you like Bethesda games, and you're open to the idea of doing that in a multiplayer kind of MMO setting, check it out. Yeah. yeah. But like, if you like, don't I like, like all you of already, those things. People have already made yeah. their decisions already. 100%. You know one way or the other. Uh, if you if this is the kind of thing you're going to be into, yeah. and I don't think the game does anything to sway either of those camps. No, like if you like all that stuff, you're gonna like this. If you don't like any of that stuff, this isn't gonna do anything to convince you otherwise. So, yeah, yeah. And I would say like even if you're really into survival games but don't like Fallout, I don't know that this does enough of that to really right. bring you in. Um, yeah, and like if you're one of the people who's like Fallout One and Two are the best Fallouts. <laughs> Obviously, this is not for you've, you at all. You've given up on Fallout for a long time. Yeah, ago. <laughs> so you already know, dude. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I don't know. It's I'm I'm glad to be able to check it out because not that it assuaged my fears long term, but the actual like moment to moment that initial stuff, all that's still really good. Yeah. When I started the, the beta, I wanted to make sure that I got as much out of that hour and a half as I could. So like, I wasn't reading the little terminals. I didn't explore around vault 76. I just got the hell out of there as soon as I could. So I'm going to have that same fallout Skyrim 
personal experience where like I really plod my way through. I look in every nook and cranny when I'm playing solo. So all of that's going to be, it's going to add a lot more fun for me that I didn't get playing the beta, but I don't see myself playing this solo all that often just because there's a lot of emptiness and the emptiness in Fallout 4 and in Skyrim and Fallout 3, it always feels like I'm on my way from one thing to the next. Or like the next, turning around this corner will start a new quest or create something new or I'll have some sort of adventure. I don't feel that as much here because a lot of it feels a bit sterile. And I think a lot of that is just because there aren't NPCs. There aren't pe- other people you're interacting with in Quest Givers. It's all notes and audio logs and robots and that just makes the world literally and figuratively feel a little less lived in a little less like worth um exploration except for like getting more gear like that that exploration for the sake of discovery doesn't feel as much there for me but that might change the longer i play the game getting into new areas and stuff that that might develop a little bit better yeah and while i played i did get three different notifications of events happening around me i didn't oh, i didn't okay. go to check them out but like for two and a half hours there were three events that were in my vicinity that i could have gone sure. and i saw like people's dots on the map like most of them right, had gone to flock them. and see what the events are all about so i haven't okay. seen those yet um they had they each each had different names the events mm-hmm. did, so I'm wondering if they're like kind of the same thing based on mm-hmm. the location, um, and they just have a random chance or a timer that they're on to spawn kind yeah. of thing. Hopefully, it's get, not like, like certain... a Destiny thing, yeah, where it's just it's the same one every half hour. You know, right? Like, that'll get pretty boring, right? Well, I mean, like just in the opening area, there were three separate ones, so I imagine there's a lot of different ones. I would hope, yeah, yeah. Let's hope. Cool. Well, I because I haven't been playing Red Dead, I have been playing some other stuff. So I'm still um, working my way through Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I've actually played a ton of that game the past two weeks, frankly, because I'm trying to get through it <laughs> and finish it. Yeah, I forgot. I, bad, I forgot I played that too. It's oh okay. It, like it's not a bad game. It's fine. It's just yes, it's fine. It's not exciting, and because I have a lot of other games that I am excited to play, like Red Dead and Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Fallout seventy six coming out soon, Spyro coming out soon, um, stuff like Guacamelee two that I still have in my backlog. Like I just feel I don't feel super engaged in this game. It's perfectly competent, but it is the same game as the last one. Like the structure of it's very much the same. There are like a couple of little side missions that are nice from like a character perspective and interactive interaction perspective, but not all that interesting from a gameplay perspective. A lot of retreading an area you already went to or, hey, you just need to run from point A to Z and just talk to a person and then talk to another person, talk to the original person, talk to a new person, and then you're done. And so like a lot of that's just kind of, it's just not super interesting. Um, I don't know, how, how far are you? I'm probably farther than you in, in like in a broad sense without spoilers. So are, have you have you gotten to the the vil, the f- first little village town? Yeah. Okay. Have you gotten to the second bigger village with like the native people? Is that the one where Jonah stops off to talk with the chick in the bar? That's the first That's, one. Okay. So I'm past that and I don't uh-huh. think I'm at the next big one yet. Okay, because there's a hefty chunk of stuff, kind of like um, it's more, what's the word? Um, like you're on a specific path. It's not kind of open for choice. It kind of right. guides you through a specific place. There's a lot of content in between those two areas. I think that's so where I am. I am. 
I am post second area. Like I did all the shit in that area and moved on from that. And I just now did a big story thing and I'm coming back to that area. So my completion percentage is like 50%. But I think that means like getting everything, everything. So I'm going to assume I'm more like two thirds of the way through the story, if not maybe more. Um, Red Dead also has a percentage counter. Interesting. Which is weird. Because, like, Are you at like 1.6%? No, I'm at like 28%. <laughs> weird. So I, I, I don't know That's if it's really like weird. just main quest progression huh. or I don't know how it's measuring it. I don't. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so like there's actually been less combat than I anticipated and maybe there will be more going forward because yeah, I did spend I a lot of time in that big, like the big tribal town that you'll get to. There's a lot of like it's huge. There's a bunch of stuff to run around. Oh no, and, like, I did. I did just and... get there. Yes. Okay. Yes. Perfect. I yes. That's when I left off. Yep. So there are a couple little side missions there, and like a market, and a bunch of story stuff happens. That's more like walking around kind of thing. And so that was a, a couple hours that I spent there. Um, and so there was a bigger gap between combat stuff. The area that I just got to, the story mission I just got through, introduced like the supernatural enemy. Um, they're a huge, huge fucking pain in the ass because the, most of them bum rush you. They're like melee guys. And the aiming in this game is not great, right. especially like close range aiming and so i like panic shoot all the time and they kill you super fast and i think i guess the game wants you to do more like running away and healing because there are all these new herbs there's like the healing herbs there are perception herbs that make you able to see enemies and animals and stuff easy more easily with the r3 button the kind of like vision mode right and then there are there's like some kind of defense herb that makes you take less damage and so i think it wants you to it wants me to be using those things more they're just not super intuitive and the combat especially with these new enemies the combat comes up on you so fast that it's hard to like take a breath and do one of those things and then move on i'm just kind of like panicking my way through it and then i'm done so that i'm not in love with the traditional combat with the regular dudes with guns has been perfectly fine there's a bigger emphasis on stealth um, cause you know, you yeah. can put all the mud on you and they have the, you can climb on or uh, go on the wall, hidden things and not just in bushes. Yeah, I've liked that so far. Yeah. It's all fine, but it makes it really weird to me that you can't hide bodies. Cause right. like you'll stealth kill a dude and then you're moving through the stealth area and the dead bodies just laying there. And so a dude discovers the body and then they're on the alert. And that's just, I'm like the game clearly they leaned more heavily into the stealth they added new stealth systems and if you want me to engage with that more why would you not let me hide bodies because it it breaks the stealth all the time for me because they're on the lookout they screw up their patterns and i can't i can't get to one guy otherwise i'm just going to sit there and wait for minutes until they go back to their normal thing and that's not fun so it's just it just seems like they they doubled down on areas that were bad decisions the biggest thing for me that I fucking hate in this game, there are way, way more underwater sections. There are a ton. And, and like, they are so terrible because they have like the one kill enemies. Or the one like kill underwater, enemies. underwater missions are never good. Ever. They are never good. If you make a game that is all underwater... Fine, you can make that good. But 
name a fucking game that is a normal game that has underwater levels where those underwater levels are good. Hey, you know this little series, Mario? Like, it's fairly popular, right? It's kind of like the biggest series of all video game time. What are the worst levels in any Mario game? The fucking underwater levels. Especially in the 2D games. Like, those are near-perfect platformers. Except for the fucking underwater levels. Why do people make this shit? It's so bad. It is not fun to move around. The camera sucks ass. There are those one-hit fucking kill piranha swarms that you can't swim away from. So if they discover you, you just die. You run out of air, so you have to find the little bubble areas where you can get air. And once you go and you come back down, it's very disorienting. And you gotta look, which way was I facing again? They're so fucking bad, and there's so fucking many of them. That's, that's like, the biggest thing that annoys me about this game. Because the first game, I thought, was very good. It wasn't, like, amazing, but I really enjoyed it. The second game I liked a little less because the things they added weren't super successful, like the side missions and the open world structure. And then this game, they kept all the same stuff I didn't love as much from the second game and doubled down on the worst parts of the game. The close quarters combat, the underwater sections, the side missions, the town exploration, which takes forever. Like, I don't get why they did this (laughs) i don't get why they did this in this game and it bums me out because i want to love this series and i just can't i can't say anything more about it than like it's it's decent so that's my thing about fucking shadow of the tomb raider that's not too that's not true i have i have more stuff so one thing that you will get to with these new enemy types they're leaning more heavily into, um, like, spooky vibes in this game, which I do enjoy. I don't like scary games. I don't like to be scared. But it, it adds an extra element of interest to me because the whole thing was feeling a bit bland. And so, like, that they're leaning into, like, some scary stuff, I enjoy. Because in the second one, it was all the, like... Um, Asian samurai, whatever. And there was an element of, like otherworldliness and curses and stuff but this one it's more like tribal creatures and you know south american gods and you know cults and rituals and that kind of vibe so that that part of it is really interesting because the character stuff i'm not connecting with whatsoever they're trying to build lara and jonah more as characters and build that relationship and it's just not working for me because this is the third game and just now you're really diving into that. There's a sequence like early on in the game where they sit down at the fire and they're kind of like just talking about where they are. And Jonah goes on this whole fucking story about his dead brother. And like, and I'm like, who? Why do I give a <laughs> shit? Like, I barely know who you are. Like, why do I care about this? So it's just, I don't know. The character stuff's certainly not working for me. Yeah, they're leaning really heavily into Jonah and Lara's relationship in this yeah. game. And it's like he's like he's barely a character. It's too little too late, man. Like this is the third game. And I know he's been in all of them, but it's still just it's eh, it's not working. Not working for me. So, I'm trying to I mean, I don't want to be overly negative about it. Like I'm not trying to like I'm not like wasting my time or trying to rush through it or anything, but I am a little bit like just trying to get through it and then I can move on to some other stuff. So, I don't know. Anything else from you on it? I just think it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't control well. And, like, yeah. like in a world where The Last of Us exists, like, and Uncharted exists, 
the way how bad their animation transitions are yeah it's bad yeah and and you and, and you're like totally they, right she looks like a plastic doll in this one yes it's creepy yeah it's creepy looking because she has no lines on her face everyone else looks like a human being and she looks like yeah she looks like a plastic doll it's creepy but one other thing i forgot i hate i'm just shitting on this game now <laughs> but it's bringing up Uncharted and Last of Us. Like, this game obviously is trying to take as much as it can from Uncharted and uh, Last of Us. Oh, you're talking about the where you play as Lar- like little Lara? Yeah, the flashback. Yeah. That was, like, there were elements of it that were cute, and I liked the puzzle. Yeah, The me puzzle too. stuff that you did I thought was pretty cool, but it was so fucking cheesy. Yeah. Like, that, the writing in that was so not good. And, like, the little thing at the end with the dad, and, like, it yep. was so melodramatic and corny. I was like rolling my eyes super hard and that hasn't come back up no like i don't know if we're gonna get more of that but like that was a one-off thing at least where i am right now and if that's the case that is so pointless for them to spend all this time developing this new area a smaller character model all this shit for a one-off thing so i'm gonna assume it'll come back at some point it has to it's too random yeah all right so that's shadow of the tomb raider (laughs) It's competent. It's a competent video game. It's just that the stuff that they focused on in this is, are not the things that they should have focused on. That That's my opinion. I also played the first episode of Life is Strange Season 2. So, obviously I was a huge fan of Life is Strange Season 1. Did not like Before the Storm. It had glimpses of brilliance between that relationship with Rachel and Chloe, but not a good, not good writing. Not good mechanics. It was not a good game. And then I played that... I guess it was like a demo. The uh, Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit. Yeah, it was like a teaser Which was a very demo. short little thing. The what? Yeah. Um, and it was cute. It had some elements that I liked from it, but it was fairly forgettable. But at least it was like written by this core team at Don't Nod, so the writing was better. This... it. I'm trying to remember back to when I played Life is Strange... And the first episode, because I, I kind of got into it after the buzz had started about the mo- a couple episodes that had come after. And I remember playing the first episode and being like, I don't see what the fuss is about. This writing is not good. It's super like lame. It feels like a bunch of 40-year-old white dudes writing for teenage female characters. It just feels corny and over the top and like trying way too hard to be like hipster. I feel similarly about this first episode, but I'm going to assume that it will get better. It will get better as it goes. The relationship between the two brothers, I think, is very, very good. A lot of that writing is strong and gets stronger as that episode progresses. But it doesn't make a great first impression. It's a lot of, like, people don't talk like this type dialogue between teenagers. And I'm just like, ugh. And my wife was sitting out watching me play because she watched me play Life is Strange. And she started watching me play Before the Storm. And, like, halfway through the first episode, she was like, Shay, I'm sorry. This is, like, I'm embarrassed listening to this dialogue. I can't. So she wanted to check this out. And she just wasn't, she wasn't super into it. But uh, she felt the same where it was, like, it wasn't as bad as Before the Storm. But it certainly wasn't as good as the good stuff in Life is Strange Season 1. Right. Anyway, it does get better over time. There are a lot of, like, big moments that happen that are really engaging. Some oh shit kind of stuff that happens. Um... (sighs) So it leans really heavily into some political stuff. 
And I don't have a problem with that. It's because a lot of like racism because it's a Hispanic kid and his little brother. And they're kind of like out in the world alone due to some circumstances that happen early on in the game. And they just kind of come across strangers and how those strangers interact with them is very varied. And so the racism thing is a, is a big deal in the game. I think that's good. I think it's an important topic to cover, and especially in this type of game that's very narrative and character-focused. I will say that due to the writing, there are a lot of caricatures. A lot of not realistic characters that are super over-the-top, where I'm like, I get the point you're making because it is banging me over that fucking head with a hammer. Like, you, you could have made this a little more subtle, basically. So take that for what you will. Um, that's not my favorite aspect of the game, not because I don't think it's important, but just because I don't feel like it's done all that well right now. But there are some other relationships that I think are really, really strong. There's a character they introduced late that kind of acts as like a little bit of a mentor friend to the brothers, and that character's really, really good. That, that kind of arc with that relationship is very strong uh, from a story perspective. There's less gameplay than in the first game, which may come as a surprise because there wasn't that much gameplay in the first <laughs> right. game. But the whole it had the whole time manipulation mechanic to kind of do some puzzle solving. And in this first episode, at least, there isn't any amalgamation of that. Like, there's no time manipulation. And in, in like, the, before the storm, there was that whole awful trash talk minigame. There's nothing like that. So it's the so really brother the only... hasn't forced pushed a car yet? They well, haven't flipped a police spoilers. car? I, I mean, that's in a trailer. Yes, that happens. Okay. But you don't you play as the older brother. Um, so, yeah, I won't go into details of, like, how that develops. It certainly does towards the ends of the first episode. But so far, there has been nothing comparable to the time manipulation or the trash talking game. Okay. And so all of the quote-unquote gameplay is interactions, and there are big choice moments, obviously. And, like, walking around. There's no additional gameplay mechanic. And so that makes it feel a little bit slow, maybe. And this is it took me, like, three hours. And granted, I walked around everywhere. I read all the little extra things. I went in the notebook. I read all the text messages. So you could get through it much faster than I did. But if you want to absorb everything, it was about three hours. And it felt like I was ready to be for, I was ready for it to be over before it was over. So hopefully they add some extra gameplay element that will make it a little bit more engaging. Uh, playing through it where it doesn't just feel like I'm playing a movie, basically. Uh, One of the things that I think will be cool is the story is set up in a much more um, open-ended way. It's like a road trip sort of thing. Whereas the first game was like, you're just in Arcadia Bay. Right. And there's that the murder mystery kind of lost person story. And you just go around these couple of settings repeatedly throughout the game. And in this, like, I... I can already tell the places I visited, I will not be returning to. So that makes it kind of an interesting arc to follow. And I'm curious to see where the story goes. There was one particular... Go ahead. Are you going to ask a question? Yeah. Did you... So I've, I've heard at the beginning it asks you if you destroyed or saved Arcadia Bay. It does. Uh, which one did you pick? I I let Arcadia Bay be destroyed. I saved Chloe. Yeah, me and too. We, and we, we pieced out. Okay. Um, I think I remember that being really split. I it, think was, it was like yeah. it was like fifty-one to forty-nine across like the player base, which is a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so there are a lot of big choices like that that have serious ramifications for certain characters and things that happen. But it is a bit of a it's like a The Walking Dead where it's kind of like a diamond structure where like you start at one point, it diverges based on your choices, but it's always going to end up at the same point again. 
and that's just kind of how these games have to be structured. But there's right. still that that kind of like false choice almost where it's going to happen no matter what, but how you get there might be a little bit different or the way you get there might be a little bit different. Um, there was actually one... Hmm, I don't really want to go into spoilers about it. But there was one thing that happened where I didn't plan ahead. And because of that, I had to make a decision that I didn't want to make, but I didn't have another choice. And that really came back later on in the relationship between the brothers where I was like, fuck, like, damn it. I was so still mad at myself for having fucked up enough to where I had to make that tough, bad choice because it impacted the relationship. So those are the kinds of things that really make these games work when, when you have those types of choices that really come back to you in a big way. That stuff is meaningful and makes it feel like those quote-unquote big choices really matter. So hoping for a lot more of those because those are the kinds of things that make you know these games really memorable. Right. So, yeah, um, really enjoyed the first episode and uh, hoping that it's not months and months before more of them come out. They haven't announced a release date for episode two yet, so I hope it's not like January or something. I hope we get it before the end of the year. Yeah, but that's everything I've been playing. So um, how about um, I drink some water and you tell me about some stuff you've been watching. Yeah, um, just the only other thing I played was uh, Return of the Overdin on PC. Oh, you didn't write that on the fucking list. I know. Uh, well, it's because I'm not going to talk about it uh, this episode because I didn't. I haven't played enough of it to really be able to talk intelligently about it. Um, okay. I, I got it so my buddy Cody and I could play it together because it's a game that we both saw early on in development that we're really excited about playing together. So he and I are going to play some more of that this weekend. Hopefully, mm-hmm. um, so I should be able to talk a little bit more about it next episode. Um, cool. But in terms of stuff I was watching, so I watched one movie with my wife, and that mm-hmm. movie was Jason X, which is the tenth oh, Jason yeah. movie, because um, that was um, that was the second to last film in forties for the spooky Halloween season on GiantBomb.com. Okay. Um, it's so it is the tenth Jason movie, and at like at this point I can just see in the writer like that writer's room, like this is the tenth one. What do we do? And the answer <laughs> is, take him to fucking space. Oh god! It's Jason what? in space. Sure. Like it, the movie opens. <clears throat> And, like, so the, the movie opens, and he's, like, in some underground research facility, and he's all chained up, and then something stupid happens, and he, oh, he gets out, and so they, like, cryo-freeze him with this chick, and then, like, a couple hundred years in the future, when Earth is destroyed. Wow. Yes. So, apocalypse has happened. Earth is- This un- sounds like a movie that I need to see. Earth is uninhabitable. There is an Earth 2 because oh, we all is. know that's what we would call the second Earth. <laughs> Earth 2. Trade, trademark DC. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, like, these scavengers are going through this underground research facility, and they find Jason and the chick. <laughs> and so they take him out of the cryo unit, uh, and they, like, he fucking regenerates because he's Jason. Um, and he is on the spaceship, and he's just killing dudes as he does. He's just really fucking people up. Um, and he's getting his shit fucked up and he's fucking their shit up and there's 
like the whole movie it's like it's very self-aware like it knows what it's doing like it's just like teenagers on the spaceship it's teenagers on a spaceship <laughs> with Jason like there had to be teenagers because it's a Jason movie but are on a spaceship yeah. so the solution is they're just students on a and from a galactic academy and so is that's there a why they're space, on space shower show. scene um no there's a bunch of space sex though like okay. all, like the teen even the teens, those teens are fucking <laughs> Jason, as teens do Jason's not having any of it <laughs> um and he like so like he doesn't have his machete when he wakes up so he grabs this like giant surgical instrument that is literally just shaped like a machete and so he has this like future steel machete surgical instrument he's killing people with and towards the end it's a, it's a level two machete <laughs> yeah and <laughs> towards the end he he's like i have to kill this guy and the guy's like and then he reaches past him and grabs his old machete and the guy's like oh all you wanted was your machete of course so and he gets on the intercom and he's like guys it's fine all he wanted was his machete and then jason kills him <laughs> like fuck it it's just it's full of really dumb shit really dumb shit and there's for some reason there's like because there are like military personnel on this spaceship with these students for reasons and so mm. they have like this machine shop and there's a giant like drill with a giant screw um and this dude gets like jason throws this dude onto the screw and he like gets impaled on it and his body spins and like goes down the drill thing and then later some chick walks up to him and she's like he got screwed <laughs> I'm watching this. I'm this, watching this movie. This movie's fucking nuts. Also, I'm really disappointed because I have every film in 40s movie on Blu-ray. Jason X, there is no Blu-ray option with nice. Jason X. So I'm very sad. Um, just real quick, because I'm looking this up on IMDb. Yeah. I am shocked to learn that this came out in 2001. Yes. This movie's old. I didn't realize it was that old. Yeah. Also... That uh, the dude that plays Jason Voorhees also plays Uber Jason. Is there are there two Jasons? So that's kind of a spoiler. Oh boy! Well, we don't. Well, because I'm looking at the cover of it, and it looks like there's two Jasons. There's like old hockey mask Jason, and then there's like futuristic Marvel supervillain looking mask Jason. So, I'm just going to spoil it. Spoiler alert, because it's on the cover. Jason dies, and then Jason comes back. You're fucking right, he does. Made of metal. It's like fucking, it's uh, like, uh, oh, what is it? Uh, Like uh, Uber Shredder, when he like comes out of the trash pile. That's what it looks like. Yeah, Yeah, he he looks like like Uber Shredder Shredder Jason. And there's, oh my god, there's a shot towards the end where, like, they finally get out in this escape pod thing, and they're watching the ship get blown up through this porthole, and they're like, oh my god, he's coming this way! And Jason from the explosion is <laughs> blasted <laughs> directly at them. Oh, it's because it's there's no gravity in space, man. He's he's so using, he's riding, he's riding, he's riding that, the uh, blast explosion. wave towards their escape pod. Oh, man. And then some other dude who was outside in, like, an EVA suit, like, in the worst green screen imaginable, mm-hmm. like, swings across at the last second and intercepts Jason in what I can only describe as a hilarious shot. That's amazing. Um, yeah. That mo- this all sounds oh, really good. And there's, um, an just- a- there's an android. Okay. 
So it's got all the got all the hits. Is that KM fourteen? You better believe it is. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh she cast gets, list. She gets some let's call them upgrades during the movie. Oh yeah, baby. I'm Unsurprisingly, pretty sure the director watched the Matrix. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, I'm not really recognizing any of these actors <laughs> that are in this movie. I would hope it was their first and last option. Yeah, the, this, um, this one chick who's in it, she's like, I wouldn't even ha- I wouldn't even cast her in one of my high school shows. She's just so melodramatic. Mm-hmm. Man, she's bad. Woo, she's bad. But she like takes her top off or something. I don't know. Um, that's all that matters. That's, what, that's all she did in her audition. The casting like, hey. director. That's all that mattered. Yeah, you got. She to get. signed that waiver. So there are two credited writers for Jason X. Um, the first writer, Todd Farmer. Um, Probably should Jason have stuck X- with his namesake uh, occupation. <laughs> Jason X is actually his first credited writing gig. Uh, since then, he wrote The Messengers and My Bloody Valentine, which are horror movies. And he also wrote Drive Angry, the classic Nick oh Cage my. joint. So anytime that he can get involved with some Nick Cage, you know uh, his um, his career is going where, where it needs to go. And he currently has a film called Trick in pre-production, which I'm going to assume is going to be a really bad B-horror movie. Also credited as a writer is Victor Miller. His credits include, let's see, let's go back here. Holy shit, he's fucking old. He's got a writing credit from 1952. Is he alive? He was born in 1940. He's an old man, but... He was old enough to know better. (laughs) So his writing credits, he wrote the original Friday the 13th in 1980. He wrote part two, part three, the final chapter, A New Beginning, Jason Lives, part six, uh, part seven, part eight... Jason X, obviously, or sorry, he he created the characters, so he's a credited writer. He didn't actually write the script. Gotcha. That belonged to uh, Mr. Farmer. Okay. Uh, he wrote Jason, Freddy versus Jason, Jason versus Leatherface, Michael versus Jason, the 2009 Friday the 13th, an unfortunate Friday the 13th, as well as the Part Two, Return of Jason, Freddy versus Jason versus Ash, an unfortunate Friday the 13th Part Three, Part Four, horror movie, the movie, horror movie, yeah, horror movie, the movie. That's a title. Friday the 13th, The Revenge. Friday the 13th, Wanted Legend. Uh, Friday the 13th, The Game, obviously. Um, as well as the previously announced 2020 releasing Friday the 13th. Um, beyond those, he also wrote episodes on All My Children and General Hospital. And that is his entire writing credit series. So every Friday the 13th movie and All My Children... And General Hospital, which are soap operas, for those that aren't aware. So that's interesting. (laughs) And then finally, director James Isaac has five credits as a director. Joe Bob's Drive-In Theory, theater rather, which was a TV series that aired one episode. Jason X, aforementioned. Skinwalkers which is a very good name for a horror movie, and the even better titled horror movie, Pig Hunt. <laughs> In 2008. So um, he hasn't worked since 2008, which probably isn't great. I have him. directed more things than he has. Yeah. 
Um, so clearly a quality Ooh. film. Jason X. 2001's rip, Jason X. Rip roaring good time. I am going to watch that at some point. It sounds like it might not be super easy to get a hold of, but I feel like I need to watch it now. Yeah, Amazon Prime, you can rent it on there. Okay. That's how we there you watched go. it. Kelly always wants to watch horror movies, so here we go. Yeah. I mean, you can get it on <laughs> Boy, DVD. is she going to be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> you should... Oh, man. Just don't say anything. Just be like, I finally found a horror movie that like I'm willing to watch. Kyle said he watched it, and he really liked it. So I thought we should watch it together. And yeah. then just don't even tell her what it is. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, beyond that... Uh-huh. Uh, the wife and I have started watching Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix. Okay. Yes. Um, we're like eight. We're halfway through episode eight, I believe. So we're, we're a good bit of the way through. Um, we're enjoying it for the most part. Some of the character because it's like teenagers. Some of the characters are just yeah. very annoying. I mean, they're written accurately. They are okay. teenagers, which is why teenagers should never be characters in a movie or show. <laughs> I work with them every day and they are horrible. So these are written accurately as actual teenagers. Um Right. Yeah, like some of the occult stuff is fun. Uh it it's a lot darker than I thought it would be. I didn't realize that this was originally a graphic novel. Um uh. so this is a Netflix adaptation of a graphic novel. Um not Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Uh, this is not a new take on that. This right. Is, That's uh, what I first thought when I saw the title, and I was me like, too. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and then, like, the intro was looked like graphic novel stills, and I was like, okay. oh, is there a comic? And I looked it up. Sure enough, there is. So this is an ad- uh, a TV show adaptation of um, uh, the graphic novel. So it's a little different. It's way darker. But it's, um, it's self-serious. Most of the time. Okay. Yes. There's and it's there's plenty of levity, but there are definitely But like it's spooks. not it's not a satire or like a no. funny take. It's it's a serious show. Correct. Yeah. Huh. And is it I mean, is it good or is it like a guilty pleasure good? Cuz when I saw this it seemed like a CW show. Like it looked like a bad teen drama show. Um no, it's better than that. Okay. Um, I like a lot of like the witch stuff, the occult stuff is very melodramatic, just because right. like it's kind of playing on classic tropes of that. Um, but I don't know. There's good stuff in there. There's good stuff hmm. in there. I don't know that it's necessarily like I wouldn't rate it as a guilty pleasure. I think okay. there's there's merit to it. Um, is it a, like is it a procedural show or is it serialized? A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Huh. Um, for the most part, it is uh, serialized, but there are procedural elements. Um, and it's not like a it's not like a scary show. It's just kind of like spooky uh, subject. There's actually like there have been some sequences that were actually pretty creepy. All um, right. Yeah, like that. That's what has shocked me the most about it so far. I wouldn't say it's necessarily as scary as um, haunting of Hill house, but like right. there are, there are moments that are unsettling uh, okay. and like done really well. Like it clearly has a good budget 
and like a lot of the filmography thankfully like the pilot episode had a lot of like this weird like the screen was stretched and the edges were fuzzy in a lot of the shots and thankfully they kind of stopped doing that because it was it was Mm. way they were using it way too much um Mm -hmm. so thankfully they kind of laid off on that a bit because that was bothering me but um yeah, I think it's got like it's got a good cast of characters, uh, supporting characters that are kind of around her, and she she does a better than serviceable job um, as the main character, Sabrina. Um, uh, one of so she has two aunt, she lives with two of her aunts, um, and one aunt, Aunt Zelda, is played by the chick who plays Eowyn in Lord of the Rings. Okay. Um, and then the other chick is the funny, kind of heavyset British lady from Shaun of the Dead. Yep. If you remember. She played Pam on the British office. Yes. Also played Pam yep. on the British office. Yes. So she's yep. in it, and she's hilarious. I like I was going to say, she's super fucking funny. She's yeah. in Wonder Woman, and she was amazing in Wonder Woman. Like, very okay. small parts, obviously, but she was really, really good. Cool. But yeah, so she does a really nice job too. Um, and then I have not seen him before, but he's a British black actor, and he does a nice job too. Okay. Um, yeah, like there are a lot of pretty decent actors in there. Hmm. Uh, we were very confused about the time period in which it took place because, okay. like, it's this like mountain town, kind of like secluded town, and so all the like architecture, like South Park, <laughs> little yeah, mountain town. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and so all the buildings are really old, and people are driving cars, like, from the 50s. Like, okay. all the cars are just from the 50s, but they all look new. And then the the black British guy, like, opens up a laptop, and I was like, what the fuck is this? And then later, Sabrina's boyfriend, she's talking to him on, like, this payphone, like, but like a, a payphone for the house. And then he's on, hmm. like, an iPhone X. And I'm like, what is going on? Like what town is this? Weird. It was super well, maybe weird. Maybe it's just maybe it's supposed to be like a fantasy version of reality. I think so. It has to be. That seems weird. But it's, well, like it's so not explained. Bizarre. No, yeah. they don't address it. Yeah. It's very strange. Well, I guess they wouldn't address that. Hey, we live in an alternate universe. Like they, right. but there's no like it's not. There, there's there no aren't mentioning enough of differences. Like, political stuff like to like right be able right, to know to actually when it's set it. taking place. Yeah. Um, it's just very strange. Very strange. Huh. Maybe there'll um, be some like big twist at the end at the end regarding that. Like, like it'll be like the village. Times converged yeah. on one. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's Interesting. odd. But yeah, we're we're enjoying it. Um, tis the season and all that. What about well, you? Well, yeah, you? maybe I'll uh, I'll let Kit, because I obviously told her about Haunting of Hill House and that you recommended yeah. it and she should check it out. And she was kind of like lukewarm on, I think she started it and it was too scary for her to watch by herself. So maybe this will be a little more up her alley because yeah. she likes, um, obviously I'm not saying this is a trash show, but she likes a lot of those CW style. Like she loves Gossip Girl and The Hills and the, that kind of teen drama show so maybe if this is a higher quality of that plus it has a little bit of the spooky vibes yeah this feels more in line quality and writing wise with like stranger things it's not as it's not as good as stranger things but it's not i'm just saying like it's not cw quality yeah it's not bad yes absolutely i get that um so we we finished making a murderer part two 
it's hard to kind of talk about because I don't want to like reveal what happens, even though it's real life. <laughs> so you can't really have spoilers <laughs> for real life. But right. um, yeah, man, it's just what a fucking wild ride this the whole thing has been. It's like good things will happen and then they're completely destroyed and then you start to get hope and then that gets destroyed. And it's just it's it illuminates so much of what is wrong with our judicial system from both perspectives of like where things are stacked against the people, but then also how many inefficiencies there are, how many loopholes there are for those people to get around things. And it's just like, it's, it's broken from both ends is what I'm trying to say. And that's just like, it's terrifying and also fascinating, but mostly terrifying. Uh, And without spoiling things, I would anticipate there will be a part three at some point. So it's weird to say like, like I'm going to avoid learning about Stephen Avery and Brendan and what happens in real life. Cause I would rather watch the documentary <laughs> about it than like right. actually find out just cause the, the, the documentary is so well done and paced so well and like little things that happen that you don't think are important. They kind of like sprinkle it. It's almost like, a, like it's a drama. Like they sprinkle information early on and then it comes back when it is important. And like, like that's how well-written television is done but this is reality <laughs> it's just a weird it's a weird thing weird the, kind of the benefit of the writing a documentary like this after the fact absolutely well yeah a lot of the events of this were from like you know all the way from 2014 ish or 2015 ish like the 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 uh part two starts where part one ends like literally like it opens with here's the aftermath of the netflix documentary that ha- was right. making a murderer and that stuff's really really cool to see um, we're obviously still watching the league. We're like halfway through season five, so we're going really fast through. They're only like thirteen episode seasons, so we go through pretty quick. But um, I've actually been using it uh, as my crutch to not deal with real life things. So like, if I get errands and stuff, like even with my phone, I needed to call Sprint and like go to the store and get the stuff set up, and I didn't fucking want to. So instead, I just watched three episodes of the league, and then oops, <laughs> it's eight thirty. It's too late. Sorry, I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> I was doing that a lot. Um, I was able to get my phone, so at least I manned not manned up. It's a sexist term. I adulted up and got my iPhone, but uh, I've been using it to not do research on a home mortgage, which is probably more important than getting my iPhone, but I have not done that yet. And we're trying to buy a house in February before my wife gives birth in March. It's gonna be a disaster, (laughs) but we'll see. Maybe it'll be fun. Uh, Yeah. Check your sewage pipes. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, we started uh, most recent season of Top Chef, which, you know, we kind of go back and forth with our competition shows. And this is our last season of our competition shows. So, like, the most recent season of Project Runway we recently watched, the most recent season of So You Think You Can Dance we watched, and now this is the most recent season of Top Chef. And those are our core three shows. So now when we finish the show, we have to wait, like, a year for the new seasons of our, those shows to come out. And I don't know what we're going to do. Because we're all we always have one of these competition shows because we were so far behind on everything that we were just constantly would go back and forth between them, and now we won't have one, and I'm gonna be really bummed. But one quick story about this show, this season, there was a circumstance because like so they do an initial challenge and the winner of that challenge gets immunity for the big challenge. It's pretty typical structure for these kinds of shows the dude won immunity in the initial challenge and then it was a team challenge for like the big one and his team lost 
partially because the dish that he made was the worst dish of everybody. And so his dish, it was not like the other two made good dishes. They also made bad dishes, but his was the worst. And so he was like, I brought my team lost because of me. I have immunity. That's not fair. So he gave up his immunity and then they cut him. Like it wasn't, you might anticipate like, hey, I'm going to give up my immunity. And they're like, hey, that's a really cool move. We're still going to cut one of your teammates for blah, blah, blah. But no, they fucking cut him then. So he gave up his immunity and then he got kicked off of the show. And he was a really good chef too. Like he had a chance to win. Like that's fucking ballsy. And there was actually a circumstance where, this was a couple seasons ago, where uh, it wasn't due to immunity, but um, they did a team challenge called Restaurant Wars, which is like, Two teams, like I think a team of four or a team of five versus another team of four or five, and they open a restaurant. Like they come up with the concept, the menu, they design the sitting room, and they always have like an executive chef who kind of runs the kitchen. They have a front house person who makes the dish but also runs – they're kind of the manager. And then one team wins and one team loses, and the team that loses, somebody gets cut. And typically the team that loses, the executive chef gets cut because they're kind of running the whole thing. In this circumstance – this chick's team lost. She was the executive chef, but everything she did was really good. And other people on her team were responsible for her team losing. And they were going to cut someone else. And she said, hey, I was the executive chef. You should cut me. And so they did. And she was the best person on the show. And so they cut her because she asked to be cut because of that, which is fucking crazy. But they have a behind-the-scenes like digital online web series where people that get cut get to compete against each other to, for the opportunity to return to the show in the final. She got cut pretty early on. She beat like six or seven people in, and got back on for the final and then fucking won it. So she, <laughs> she got cut, did all this behind the scenes, like the loser's bracket, you would call it, and got back on the show and fucking won, which is pretty nuts. I'm not convinced the guy that got cut from giving up immunity this season will be able to do that because it'll have to beat even more people than she did. But that would be pretty funny to like they have because they always reveal who the person was because they don't show you on the show. You have to watch online. And so it'd be pretty funny if like they do the big reveal of who comes back and it's fucking him. <laughs> would be pretty nuts. <laughs> um but yeah, it's just something about it's I know I've I've talked about this a bunch of times, but these competition shows that are about the talent and not the drama, that those are what I really like. The dancing shows cooking shows, all that kind of shit I get a lot out of. So yeah, that's kind of all the stuff I've been watching. Um, I know you've been reading some stuff as well. Yeah, so I did finish Thrawn Alliances. Um, And I know we were kind of waiting on me to finish it to determine whether or not they were really billing Thrawn as like an anti-hero or not. Right. And I think they definitely are because... Hmm. Like, constantly Vader's questioning his, like, loyalty to the Empire and the Emperor. And, like, Thrawn's always like, well, I don't see why it has to be one if it can also be to my people. If I'm always doing things that serve both the Chiss Ascendancy and the Empire, I don't see why it has to be one or the other. And Vader's like, no, it's the Empire. Right. Like, you have to, you will, right. or I will kill you. <laughs> um, and so it's always like Thrawn like trust me and we'll do this and this and that um, and then it turns out that like all of the things that he's doing have always benefited both the Empire and the Chiss Ascendancy and so it's like he's always still kind of playing for his team 
Um, and it doesn't really resolve that particular um, conflict, but it, it just like it come it gives you the resolution is that it gives you more information about their new version of Thrawn, and then also almost positive that Thrawn knows um, Anakin is Vader, gotcha. which is like a big a big thing. Yeah. Because no one is allowed to know besides the Emperor. Um, Like, no one in the galaxy knows. And Thrawn just fucking figured it out because he's Thrawn. Hmm. Which is cool. Um, And then I started... Real quick, real quick, for my context. Because this sounds like something that I will want to read. Because it's Timothy's on. It sounds like it's good. Is this related to anything else? Or is it its own standalone book? It's its own standalone book. Um there are, I will say, if you're questioning, so are you questioning whether or not you want to read it? Well, I know I want to read it. I guess I'm trying okay. to see, like, do I need additional context to get more out of it? I because don't think I, so. I haven't, Have you I haven't not been read introduced the first to Thrawn New book? Thrawn. Uh, is there another New Thrawn book? So there was Thrawn right? Timothy Zahn, and now Thrawn not read Alliances that. is the second one. Okay, so I, would so I should read, read the first Thrawn, Thrawn first. book first. Got it. Yeah. Because okay. that... In, that has more of like an origin story for Thrawn. Sure. I How they bring him into the new canon. Yeah, if I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah. And then this is more of like more context for his character. Okay, cool. I'll have to check that out. There are a lot of really fun action sequences in that too. Mm-hmm. I, I think Timothy Zahn always finds ways to make that he's stuff awesome. interesting. Yeah, he's yeah. really good. Yeah. He continues. He should write good. every Star Wars book. <laughs> Especially because yes. a lot of the other Star Wars writers are bad. Yeah, I, I, every other Star Wars book of the new canon has been mediocre at best. So, his yeah, I've only read a couple, best. and I haven't been impressed by any of them. I've read every single one of them, <laughs> apart from Star Wars Most Wanted, which is like another side, Solo. another side story of like early yeah. Han Solo. Yeah. You read? Did you read the the aftermath trilogy? Yeah, I I did like those. They're not as good as right. what Zahn does, but because those were going to be my next ones. Um, but if I can get those Thrawn books, I might want to check those out instead, just because I know I, I know I'm going to get quality from Timothy Zahn. Yeah, what was the other one that I really? Because um, I read it was either Bloodlines or Lost Stars that I really liked. That Bloodlines, was really good one. Bloodlines was the. Um, that was Vader and the Emperor? Like, they get trapped on a planet? Was that Bloodlines? Maybe. Lost I've read Stars, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, the one I'm talking about is the one where there's uh, these two kids that grow up on a planet together, and one becomes an Imperial, and the other becomes a Rebel. That's it, not Bloodlines. Okay, I don't like, think. They, they go think to, I've like, Imperial Academy together, but then she, like, defects or something, and it's kind of like it's there back and forth. Um, that's really, really interesting. Uh, and I think it's written well. Like, their relationship is written really well. I have not read Bloodline, so that might be it. I'm thinking of a Django Fett comic book series called Blood Ties. Yes. Which is not the same. So that, that it very well might be. The ones also, that I have read... the Vader... I, no, well, because I remember reading a Vader and Emperor stuck on a planet thing. That is Lords but, of the Sith. Yes. Okay. And that one, it I was okay. It wasn't... It, it was, was not... It was not great. And then I also read Heir to the Jedi, which was a Luke Skywalker side story one, which was also yeah, like which was very also average. Fine. 
yeah. reviews of those are on SheyHatesEverything.com in case anyone wants to check that out. But um, I also got Dark Disciple a while ago, which is a... Uh, uh, it has Asajj Ventress and... Um, oh, shit. What's his name? Um, Quinlan Voss. Quinlan Voss and Asajj Ventress. Because that's key. Quinlan Voss is the kind yes, of... Yes, I did like, read that the one Dark Side well. for a while. Was that yeah. any good? It was, like, okay. it's, it was okay. It was okay. It's spun out of the Clone Wars show, which I never finished. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to finish that first before reading it. So, I always anyway. thought Ventress was pretty one-dimensional in the show yeah. for the most part. I didn't get all the way... Th- I don't... Well, I did get all the way through the show. Maybe I felt differently about her by the end, but I'm just not uh, recalling it. And so this that book serves to give her um, more dimension. Yeah. M- make her more of an anti-hero because that's yeah. what everything is. Right. So anyway, um, Star Wars books. Yeah. They're okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the Zahn books are very good, though. Yeah, um, And then I believe it's Lost Stars that I really liked. Um, Lost Stars or Bloodlines, one of the two. Um, and I'm currently almost done with Edge Dancer by Brandon Sanderson. As with all okay. books of his that I read, I read it very quickly because it is so <laughs> right. fucking good. Cool. So this is another one of the Stormlight Archive books. It's a side book dedicated to one of the side characters um mm-hmm. who is like one of my favorite characters in the franchise so far she's hilarious she's like this little girl um who has these powers where because like the main guy in stormlight archives uh he's what's called a, a skybreaker so he can like fly like he, okay. he he well he it's called pulls so he can like activate two and a half pulls on himself skyward and he will levitate and like he can act like third like 30 or he calls them lashings i think 30 lashings forward and he'll like fly forward at like light speed um and so it's all it's messing with gravity and he can also like touch things and imbue it with his power it's called stormlight it's like their mana um he can imbue it with like a little bit of that power and for a short amount of time like it will have whatever lashings he applies to it um so he could do all that and that's super cool, and there's a lot of like really badass stuff that he does with that. <laughs> and there's this other chick who's all about like weaving illusions made of stormlight, um, and she gets like really good with that. But she has like the split personality disorder because that's how she's able to make these really uh, lifelike mm. recreations of things. Um, and so she's like struggling with different versions of herself uh, later on in the book as so she like expands on her powers, and then, <coughs> um. There's this chick called Lift, or, or called named Lift, and she's an edge dancer, um, which coincidentally is the title of the book. Um, and it's it explores her, so she kind of like has very small appearances, but every time she appears, like she just says the funniest shit because she's just like really blunt and kind of crazy, and her view in the world is really like warped by this weird perception and like upbringing that she's had and her powers are she can like make it so that nothing she like her body does not have friction so she could just fucking Hmm. slide everywhere and like (laughs) so like there's like all these these stories and legends of the edge dancers of old who were like the most graceful lethal people on the battlefield no one could grab a hold of them no one could touch them and they evolved into sea lions 
<laughs> no. And like, <laughs> but then like when she's in battle, like, cause she's still kind of learning and she's like, she's like 14. She's still kind of okay. learning. She slides around on her knees and like uses her hands to like paddle, like <laughs> through the battlefield. Like, yeah. oh, it's just a hilarious image. Um, and like, she's just always causing mischief and she's just really, really funny. So the book is hilarious. Um, just like the way that the things that the way she calls things, the way she sees the world is so unique and like kudos to Brandon Sanderson being able to come up with a character like that. Um, the weird thing about it though, is that because it, the book is, it's like, it's third person. Yeah. Okay. It's third person limited, but so you Mm -hmm. only really get lifts thoughts. But mm-hmm. in third person, um, uh, yes, yeah, that is correct. But and so a lot, like every time you start a new chapter, a lot of the same concepts. Where it's like, uh, she calls him this because this, or this is the way she does that because she's really into eating food and yada yada. It'll like say that stuff, like every chapter, like repeating hmm. it. It's like it, it's like it giving me context for her character over and over again in a weird way. I can't I haven't figured out why he's doing it yet. There is a reason, I'm sure. Interesting. But I haven't figured out why he's doing it yet. And I'm interested I have a feeling he's doing it so that when he doesn't do it, it brings attention to something. So I'm just kind of waiting yeah. for that shoe to drop, but I'm most of the way through it cuz it's like cuz his books are like 1200 pages <laughs> small font. Uh, this book is just like a couple hundred pages, um, and it's like a smaller book mm-hmm. profile. Um, but yeah, I'm having a really good time with it so far. So anything Brandon Sanderson has written, I highly recommend. I did pick up Legion by Brandon Sanderson, which is its own kind of standalone thing. It's about a person with multiple personality disorder um, and how they like talk to themselves and like how they interact and who takes control and all these different personalities uh, and how they're going about. I don't know what the situation is, but I read the book jacket and I was like, Brandon Sanderson, this sounds interesting. You got me. Um, so I'll so, read that at some point. Stormlight archives. What, how big of a series is that? So there are currently a number of books. Let me look. I think it's two. Cause I know, because I know we have talked about this before when I was asking for recommendations about which book series I should check out. And I started, I wanted to do the Prince of Thorns trilogy because it was a trilogy and it sounded like the Brandon Sanderson stuff. There were a lot more books in that Stormlight archives, but maybe it was just that there are, he has a lot of different series. I, I don't, I don't remember because yeah, there are it, three so far that are absolutely massive. There's way of Kings, Oathbringer, and Words of Radiance are the three okay. in the main series. And this is an ongoing. Like, it's not yes, a trilogy. It's a continuing correct, thing. Yeah. And then there are a couple side storybooks, like Edge Dancer. So I th- Edge Dancer is the only one. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, there's another series by Patrick Rothfuss, the King Cl- the King Killer Chronicles. Um, right. Who he, he is two books into it now, and there is a side book for that as well. Okay. For another okay. side character who is also a small female. I think um, that I think you were you talked about that one yeah. several episodes ago. What series am I thinking of that is fucking massive? I thought you had read some series that has like twenty fucking books in it. 
and a bunch of side stories. Oh, no, that was a Joe Abercrombie. Um, oh. um, I don't think that's what it was. Because I yeah, think cause, I cause, got you Because he has a, he books. has a, no, I bought him. He has a trilogy, and then there's another three books that take place in the same universe that are all kind of their own separate things with different side characters. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the Joe Abercrombie books. Hmm. And maybe it wasn't you. I, I could have sworn, because I was doing research on like a new fantasy book series, and there was one like big series that I thought you had read, but it was like, it was some some author who everything he writes is in the shared universe, and it's a bunch of different perspectives of that universe. Oh, shit. Um, but I don't remember what it was. Yes, that is... That actually might... Ooh. I think that's Brandon Sanderson. That's Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I think it is Brandon Sanderson. Yeah, because he... Uh, it was... Uh, shit, 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 shit. Um... Oh crap! What is what is her name? Um, what is that character's name? Because there it, it says Cosmere Universe. Yeah, it's the Cosmere, and there's um, it started with a trilogy, and there's a follow up trilogy to that that takes place in like a different time period. Essentially, it's like Western, almost like Western steampunky. Um, Mistborn. Mistborn. Yes, the Mistborn trilogy, and then there's mm-hmm. the Alloy of Law trilogy. Alloy of Law? Something like that. Um, maybe that's just the title of one of the books, one of the three books in that follow-up trilogy. Um, yes, and then I believe the Stormlight Archives also take place in the Cosmere. Yeah, maybe that was my confusion is like not knowing where to start with Brandon Sanderson. Like If I need to read all his fucking books... Or if I can read this trilogy, this Stormlight Archives, because I, I yeah, and that's what because you were saying like so he the, references things in yeah, e- book X it, that happen like, in like, books Y. It's like a character or an object from those books uh-huh. he'll bring up um, like once a book at most. It's just like, but I won't like, really it's, it's miss like, anything it's the, if I don't know what it is. No, nothing of significance. It's like because each each part of the Cosmere that he has created is self-contained. It's just that uh-huh. it appears that some threads occasionally cross, uh, and there are some things that exist in multiple Cosmeres or some characters that do. Um, so it's kind of like, it's more like an Easter egg thing for people that have read all his shit. You get the little vibes and maybe it's building towards something bigger, but each series you can read and enjoy yeah own. and i think you can do it in any order i think yeah. eventually i would like to have read all of the brandon sanderson stuff because mm-hmm. there's a talking sword that is in the stormlight archives that i guess is from another one of his series um and like it has well, when i was just when i was just googling it there was one there was a mistborn book with right. a kid holding a giant fucking sword so maybe that's the sword i don't know no um it's not from mistborn it's from a different one of his earlier works i think i don't know man he has I'm a series I know. He has a series before <laughs> Mistborn. It's, yeah. Okay. Just look, like, if you look up the all the books that Brandon Sanderson has written, you should just read all of them. Well, but that, that was my point. When I was looking for a series to read, you recommended Brandon Sanderson, the Cosmere stuff, and I Googled it and looked at the shit, and I was like, this, there's no fucking way. There are too many. Everywhere I look, people tell me to start in a different place. 
And so like I don't know. I have no idea what I would read. So start wherever you want then. Like what like whatever you're in the mood for. You know me better than that. To just pick a random one and go. Who who the hell do you think I am? Then start I'm not that guy. Then start with either Mistborn or the other one because those have already been completed. Because Stormlight Archives is not done yet. Right. None of this matters because I'm never going to fucking do it. <laughs> Come on, bro. <laughs> I need books. to read the Prince of Thorns trilogy. I already have that. And that's by itself, right? Those are only three books and that's it. Correct. Mark Lawrence has published another trilogy that I currently own and have not read. On my, on my books to read shelf, it is Legion by Brandon Sanderson. Um, it is that trilogy by Mark Lawrence, another trilogy by Joe Abercrombie and Star Wars Most Wanted. And then I have Oblivion Song, First Trade, the new Walking Dead Trade, the new Descender Trade, um, a Spider-Man Anthology, and a Star Wars Trade, and then an East to West Trade. I have to read all of that, all of that <laughs> stuff. Well, then we should get back to talking about shit so we can finish the podcast and you can read. Yeah, that's fair. So let's talk about some news. There's not a ton, honestly. Um, there was a Nintendo Direct recently where it was focused on Smash Brothers, and they kind of outlined some plans for Smash. So there's going to be DLC. You can buy the season pass, but you're kind of buying it on faith because they haven't really announced everything that's going to be in the DLC. They're doing like character sets. And so they're planning five character sets, six bucks per set, or 25 bucks for all six sets. Wait, no, all five sets. Um, as part of that, they announced that the Piranha Plant is going to be a playable character that will be released as DLC, but it'll be free DLC. But you need to get the game early on. Like if you, if you, I don't remember this date, but like if you wait too long, then you're going to have to pay for Piranha Plant. And then they announced two new fighters. I'm not sure if these will be the final ones or if we'll still have more to come. But Ken is going to be an Echo Fighter of Ryu. So he plays fairly similarly to Ryu, but he's a little bit faster. And they also announced Incineroar, which is the third evolution of Litten from Pokemon Sun and Moon. And he's kind of like a wrestler fire cat guy. And so he has like some extra jump thing. It reminds me of like Fox or Falco where there's a lot of risk in his like jump moves where you could totally fuck yourself over if you jump wrong. So he seems like that kind of high risk, high reward type character. Uh, But I don't know. At this point, I just feel like there's going to be like 600 fucking characters in this game. They're they're just going to keep announcing them. I don't know who would say, yeah, I need to buy the season pass to get 18 more characters. There's so many fucking characters in this game already. But and hey. still no Waluigi. And still no Waluigi. Nope. I don't I don't Who knows? Anything could happen as we have seen, but I would not hold my breath for a Waluigi fighter. That little piggy can go wah 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 all the way home, man. <laughs> yeah. And then finally, they put out a trailer for their single player mode, which is called World of Light. And it is um, replacing the subspace emissary. So you can watch the trailer. I'll have the link in the show notes on shadeseverything.com. But it is, it. I don't know what the hell this thing fucking is. <laughs> There's like an overworld map that you like run around it and engage with things. It looks like there might be like puzzles solving and like turn-based strategy RPG mechanics 
there's a screen that looked like the uh, sphere grid from Final Fantasy X where you're like selecting a level up token. I don't know what the fuck this World of Light thing is, but it seems like something. So it's fucking weird, essentially. I I don't know. and But I guess like um, tangibly in the trailer... I mentioned the overworld map that you can be on. It looks like you're going to be fighting like evil versions of characters. Um, it has this some kind of skill or level up system. Um, and in the initial trailer for it, it's like I, I wouldn't call it a story trailer because it's too weird. But like the setup, there are a bunch of fucking master hands like flying in, and then they attack all the characters and make them like disintegrate, like a Thanos finger snap kind of disintegrate. And then <laughs> Kirby escapes, and Kirby lands on some like rock planet and looks over and sees this big like magic kingdom sort of thing and then there's like making clones of the heroes that are evil versions it it looks fucking japanese i don't know it seems weird um but i'm gonna play it (laughs) like of course i I am i'm super interested in, in checking it out and seeing what the hell this is all about um it's a bold so, yeah. move to murder every character in a trailer. <laughs> right, right. Well, they already, like, fucking killed the shit out of Luigi in that one trailer for the, the death support trophy thing. Um, all right, so I think it was either the last episode or episode before we talked about the PlayStation 1 Classic that Sony was putting out. Uh, releases December 3rd for $99, and they had kind of unveiled a couple of the games, but not the full list. So now we have the full list of all 20 games. And here it is. Battle Arena Toshinden, which I did not know what it was, but it's a fighting game. It's like a polygonal fighting game. Cool Borders 2, which is like a downhill snowboard racing game. Yeah. Destruction Derby, which is a kind of combo, twisted metal car racing game. Final Fantasy VII, GTA, Intelligent Cube, which is kind of an old school, not even old school because it's kind of 3D-ish, but it's like a platformy puzzle sort of third-person game. The original Metal Gear Solid, Mr. Driller, which I wasn't familiar with, but it, it spun out of Dig Dug. It's kind of like Dig Dug combined with Tetris. It's like a block clearing kind of digging game. Oddworld, Abe's Odyssey, which is awesome. Uh, Rayman, which is awesome. Resident Evil Director's Cut. Revelations Persona, which is the first game in the Persona series. It's a um, RPG. Ridge Racer Type 4 racing game. Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, which is a kind of tile-matching game. Siphon Filter, which is a third-person shooter. Tekka 3, obviously a fighting game. Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. Twisted Metal. And Wild Arms, which is a uh, Western-style JRPG. So, yes. pretty good variety. I would say less than half of those I would consider kind of heavy-hitter games. Obviously, you know, Final Fantasy VII, GTA, Metal Gear a lot of those types of games that are present, but a lot of games that I didn't remember or slash like hadn't ever heard of. So I don't know, good variety, but maybe not. I mean, if you're going to have 20 games, not all of these are ones that I maybe would say yes. Like not all of these are like, games that I think people will be. Where is crash about. team racing? Right. Where is crash bash? Where is croc? <laughs> croc. That's, that's the biggest Fuck you. And where is Tomba? 
um, where is Rugrats Search for Reptar? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> we played so much of that game. Now that you're asking game. the real questions. <laughs> yeah. Where so anyway, is that? Where um, is it? So, uh, yeah. Like I said, good variety for people that want that nostalgia. You're going to get a lot of different style of games and, and potentially games that you didn't play back in the day. Certainly yeah, a lot of these there, I did not play. So there's no opportunity to like put more games on this thing? That was not in the messaging. Like It seemed like that would be the end of it, is just these 20 games, and they wouldn't like, be What the hell? Any. What a weird thing. Yeah. They're just trying to get that NES Classic money, you know? That NES NES Classic money. It's bizarre. Yeah, it's a weird thing, but... If you don't want it, don't buy it. it. You know, not to give it a pass because like they, it se- certainly seems like maybe they could have got some better games. But I know a lot of it comes down to signing those checks, getting those deals. Right. Uh, it's not. It's not as easy as just saying we want this game in it, therefore it will be in it. There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that we'll never hear about. Um, there was a new trailer for a No Man's Sky update that is available now called The Abyss, which is all focused on underwater shit, which just makes me think so much of Minecraft. Like, I feel like this game is, like, now Minecraft, where they have all these new updates and stuff, and because Minecraft obviously has, they had that big underwater update. So, they a bunch of new visual enhancements to the underwater areas, new stuff that you can build underwater, as well as, like, there's a sub- submarines that you can take under there, ruins you could find with treasure, new underwater biomes, fauna, creatures, as well as, like, big predator creatures, which, in the trailer, there's like a really like a creepy big eyeball one there's no like huge giant fucking fish it's like 10 times as big as your character that seems scary as hell uh underwater shit is terrifying to me it's so i water open ocean is so scary but um yeah it, it seems cool and it's it's you know it's a free update it's available now which is pretty neat um, the trailer I thought is pretty successful, kind of like laying out all the new features and functionality. And it also served as a reminder that, Hey, the music in this game is really fucking rad. I'm sure it gets old. Cause that was one of the complaints is the music's really good, but there's not enough of it. So you hear it too much, but every trailer I see for no man's sky, I'm like, dude, this music is fucking kicking. Like it's just really, really good. So I continue to not ever check out no man's sky. Yeah. One of these days I will maybe. But um, for folks that are playing it, it's pretty awesome that they continue to put out meaningful updates, like tons of brand new stuff to check out and kind of explore. Right. Good on them for for keeping good on that. Uh, We got an update on Battlefield 5's post-release plans. So their kind of games-as-a-service model is called Tides of War is what they have named it. The first release comes out a couple weeks after the game, which comes out on November 20th. It's going to have some new maps, um, a practice range for weapons and whatnot, and a new single-player mission. And they're doing a similar thing what they did with Battlefield 1, where the single-player story, and I use it in sneer quotes, it's kind of like vignettes, different characters, different circumstances that don't really tie to each other. Yeah, and it's so they're going to add... tutorial for the multiplayer. Yeah, yeah. so they're going to add one of those um, a couple weeks after launch. The Phase 2 will be sometime between January and March, which adds Conquest Mode, which is the big 32-player mode, uh, a different co-op mode, as well as like some additional challenges and whatnot. And then in March is when their Battle Royale mode hits, which is called Firestorm. Um, so that won't be coming out for quite a while, uh, which kind of highlights that they made this in response to Fortnite and PUBG and everything, and that they were a little bit late to the party on that. Yeah, but they're like, oh, Call of Duty has one? I guess we have to have one, too. 
Yeah. So, I, I mean, maybe there are details that I missed, but I didn't see any about the character count of this or, like, the map size or anything, how that relates to what's in Call of Duty, which I think Call of Duty is an 80 person, I think. Um, but anyway, in this March release, there's also going to be a new map in Greece, which is, like, an aerial combat map. So, um, leak to the Game Informer article what I'll, that I'll put in the show notes uh, if, you, if you're curious about Battlefield Five and kind of those DLC plans. It certainly seems like they're going to be supporting this game in a major way. Um, the biggest thing will be, will people stick around? Because with Battlefield One they didn't. With Battlefront Two they didn't. So, we'll see if they stick around for Battlefield Five. Right. Then, we got the first reveal of Henry Cavill as Geralt in Netflix's The Witcher show. Which, it was surprising to me. I'm not sure how I feel about the fact that they're, like, making it a comedy. It just seems like a weird direction to take on the show. But clearly, yeah. from what they showed, like, it's a funny take. Like, it's like a, a goof take on the witcher which just like i don't know why it doesn't seem to really fit with the character of the world but it's a direction i guess i'm kind of more interested to see like them try to make a comedy out of the show uh so we'll see how that goes no but in all seriousness it he he looks fucking dumb he looks fucking dumb like it looks like he went and bought his gray wig from your local halloween costume shop it's embarrassing looking and he doesn't have the scar. He doesn't have the beard. He looks like he's 18 years old. It just, well, all of it so, seems so wrong. Also I know po- it's based on also, the books where he's younger. Right. I get it. And it's also that, possible it takes place before he gets the scar. If the scar is right. even in the books, I don't know. But my thing is more like, he is unrecognizable as Geralt. And sure, if you want to say it's based on the books, or it's a different time period, whatever, whatever, whatever. But like, this isn't the character that we know as Geralt. And I don't know. It just seems... Bad. The casting seemed bad. Yes. And the look of the character seems bad. Yes. The bigger thing that's scary for me is that... Because that's been the overwhelming reaction to this. It, regardless of what you think... Plenty of people think that Henry Cavill is a good fit. Those people are crazy, but they exist. But I have not seen a single person that's like, he looks cool. It has overwhelmingly been, what the hell is this wig that he's wearing? It is so embarrassingly bad. And that leads me to, like, why would Netflix release... Because, like, they... In order to put this out... It's not like it was a mistake. They thought this looked good. They thought this would get people excited. And that, maybe more than anything, is what is concerning to me. Because I don't know how you can look at that and say, like, we're nailing this, you guys. Thumbs up all around. Because it's bad. I guess any... Any press is good press, right? No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> That's an old wives' tale. So That's I don't bad. know, man. It like obviously we say all these things. We're both gonna check it out. You know, like we're both gonna watch the first episode. Yeah, but it certainly Maybe. is not instilling confidence. So, moving on to news, let's do a uh, hate of the week. And then we'll call this an episode. Hate of the week. So this is a quick one. Um, okay, so just as a little backstory. On Twitter, 
when we were developing Dreamwriters and going through the Kickstarter, trying to make connections, I, we did a bunch of like follow for a follow back type of thing to like arbitrarily build our audience, kind of get people to engage with our content. So at one point, I was following like 7,000 people and I had like 9,000 followers. Most of those people are not like super engaged with my stuff. They're only following me because I followed them. But some of them have since, because of that, have gotten engaged with my stuff. But since we've moved on from 100% focusing on dream writers, I wanted to kind of cull the herd a little bit. And a lot of the people that I had followed, I didn't give a shit about them whatsoever. They were just people that were engaged with entertainment industry stuff. <clears throat> Pardon me. And as I've been going through that process of unfollowing a lot of people, it's illuminated to me the people that I was following and certain accounts that I was following. Because when I went through it, it was like almost an automated process where like I used an app to get a list of recommended people to follow, people that were engaged with the topics that I was talking about and that would follow me back. And so I just went follow, 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 follow. I wasn't even looking at who the fuck they were. Turns out a lot of them were Justin Bieber fans and One Direction <laughs> fans. And it, it, was, uh, it, was, it was, obviously I'm unfollowing all those folks. And if they unfollow me, who cares? But uh, it's been quite funny because every once in a while, something really fucking weird will come out. Where like, I was following a porn aggregator Twitter account. It was like, yeah. por- it was like at porn news. And I was like, oh God, like why was I even <laughs> following this account? I got to have my finger to the pulse of porn. <laughs> Exactly. What, what's the latest and greatest of fucking? <laughs> so that that part of it's been funny, but another thing that has come out, which is you know, it's not. I'm not like it actually makes me angry. It's more just like this is stupid and sad. Are people that brag that a celebrity followed them on Twitter, and not just like tweeting out like Justin Bieber fans, not even just like tweeting out OMG J Biebs followed me heart emoji but instead like in their bio on twitter it'll say justin bieber followed me october 31st 2006 like that is that's their bio that's it well see it's a good thing that's their bio because then you immediately know that you you don't have to (laughs) waste your time talking to these people. That's fair. But it's like, it's sad. And obviously I'm assuming a large portion of these are like teenage girls, which is a whole other reason beyond following them. But to, because like in your Twitter bio, right? It's how, how do you want to present yourself to the internet? Right? So like, building your brand or like even if you're just a person you're not trying to use it to market yourself it's a description of who you are as a person what are people that look at your twitter feed gonna get from your shit and that they would think that it's the that's the thing that means the most to them that if there's one thing about me that you should know it's that justin bieber followed me on october 31st 2006 99% chance he's not still following you, but at one point he was. And that's kind of, no, not kind of, that's very sad. So like, okay, my profile, right? My, My Twitter bio is husband, gamer, drummer, actor, writer, with a link to dreamwriters and shayitseverything.com. And that's mine. It's like who I am, 
little bit of personality, and that's what it is. That's that's the brand I'm trying to build. What fucking brand is this chick building? Justin Bieber followed me. 10-31-06. It's sad. And that's why it's yeah. end of the week. Yeah. So let's 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 uh let's close this baby out with some positivity. So I'll say that um my positive thing for the day is that Matt Damon followed me on Twitter in oh, September. <laughs> no, it's it's just it's you know that we're going to Blue Ridge this weekend. It's a place that we really love to spend time in. It's gonna be some good quality time with the wife. Um, getting a massage. Gonna get to go downtown Blue Ridge, buy some snacks. They got a really good chocolate shop there. And uh, that we got to bring Beamer with us. So it's going to be super fun to just chill and relax and probably watch some of the league while we're there and just kind of enjoy the, the hills. What about you? Yeah, so I don't hate that I'm about to make a ton of progress on the set this weekend for the fall play. Um, I have tomorrow right after school and then Saturday from 10 to 3. Uh, since the last event that had to take place in the theater before the show is done, that happened at the time of this recording. Gotcha. So, so now you can do all your so, shit. Yeah, so now yeah. I can progress past mid-stage right. and actually get all the walls up. So When's the uh, show? Uh, November 15th, 16th, and 17th. So, so you don't have that much time. <laughs> no, <laughs> I really good, don't. It's a good thing you're going to be able to get a lot done. Because it sounds yeah, like fir- you need to. First public performance is in two weeks from today. So, yeah. And then we have in-school performances the two days prior to that. So... Yeah, that's nice. uh, the the blade of the guillotine precariously <laughs> swinging. And then when you come home, you can play some Red Dead. Nice and relaxing. And maybe yes. Fallout 76. Who I don't even know if it'll be online or not. But Yeah, who knows? Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And Kyle, as always, thank you for joining me. I was very tempted to make the thanks for watching, watching joke yeah. again. <laughs> it was a real but classic. I'll, I'll, I'll refrain. Um, but uh, as I kind of mentioned throughout, um, shadeseverything.com, it's my website. I will have the show notes for this episode with all the links to the news we talked about. Check that out and maybe some of the other stuff that I wrote, like my Star Wars Heir to the Jedi review. <laughs> Topical. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace out.